Xbox On. I don't even know where to start with this one. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 23rd, 2020, including Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite? Microsoft hosted their Xbox Games Showcase in which they revealed numerous games headed to their upcoming Xbox Series X console, Halo Infinite, and more. say thanks again for understanding the delay for this week's episode obviously the show goes up every thursday morning and this xbox event that just took place was thursday at noon here on the east coast u.s so it wouldn't really have made sense for me to have you know recorded a regular week's episode and then covered all this information next week then it would just be extremely behind and outdated so that would have sucked that's why i pushed back the episode by about a day or so i'm gonna try to get this out i'm recording it just after the event so i'm gonna try to get this out as soon as possible so hopefully tonight on thursday night you'll be having this episode pushed to your podcast services of choice and youtube and all that so again just appreciate you understanding the delay now with that said before we jump into obviously the massive amount of news we have to get through this week i want to make read a comment from mr surugi a, a newer regular on the show who said more comments an hour of comments is just the right amount of time spent satisfying my need to be acknowledged as the newly appointed international creative lead for podcast comment locations i will say that this week's podcast clearly justified the comment section being at the top of the show it really laid the foundation for another great podcast and so with that i i thereby knighted Surugi as the international creative lead for podcast comment location, whatever that means. Basically, I'm just trying to tell you that Surugi is now the one in charge of the comments, how we do them, when we do them, how many comments, how long the comment section is. If you have any any issues with the order of operations of the show when we do news versus comments versus various other segments, you take that all up with Surugi because he's the one who has the final say now in how the the entire order of comments versus stories new stories of the week you know goes so don't come bitching to me if you don't if you don't like something it's all up to Sarugi now and with that he's he said just a few hours ago right before the show started he says an extra meaty show allows even more time for the comments as an international as the international creative lead for podcast comment location i hereby approve the moving of the comments section until after you've covered off all the xbox event this is indeed a special occasion so not only is surugi in charge of the comments and he deems that we will do comments before the news for the regular shows he's also making an executive order that this week we will do comments after the news about the xbox event so just a little roadmap for you this episode we're going to jump right into the all the xbox games showcase information that just happened a few minutes ago and then we're going to do the our regular run of show with comments what i've been eating regular news video games you know what new games of the week based on screenshots and nothing else all that good good stuff but we're going to start off with the the main course here, which is, of course, the Xbox Game Showcase, which literally just happened about an hour ago. I, I just put some, I was writing a lot of notes, thinking about things, seeing some initial internet reactions, and just kind of collecting myself after the show. And now I'm going to do a pretty raw and fresh interpretation of what all just happened, what I just bared witness to. So, Xbox Game Showcase, this is f- just for some context. This is, of course, Xbox's big 
E3 showing. That's really what this this was. Obviously, because of COVID, everything got canceled. Not only celebrities who were engaging in sexual misconduct, but now also gaming events and social living and, and being outside and being near people. Everything's been canceled. So obviously, that's where the Xbox Game Showcase was born from. So just for context, you know, the, the show they did in May was like the appetizer. It's like, here's some third-party shit. Here's some stuff to satiate you. Now we're going to do our big like banger show later in the summer and that's what today was just for context sake this is like the big showcase there will be more news drops more information from xbox coming up we're still expecting a reveal for lockhart so there's still a lot we don't know about but we now know the bulk of shit basically all we're waiting for now is for microsoft to just finally be like and here's the smaller cheaper one and here's a price and a release date and go but this is now with this we have the most important information which is what are the games we can look forward to on the xbox series x and on xbox platforms in general just going forward because as we all know xbox is kind of a more fluid platform where you're playing xbox games on xbox one hardware or series x or pc or x cloud whether it be through your phone or whatever so lots obviously this is this is just the kind of roadmap for what we're going to be playing on the xbox brand going forward and obviously there's a lot uh, this show was really focus on console exclusives and first party. And so lots and lots of updates from many of Microsoft's um, studios, although we didn't hear from all of them. It's very important to note right off the top, we didn't hear from the initiative. In my opinion, the most obvious disappointing fact of this whole show. But overall, I think they did, they had a pretty good show. And I, I, it seems like initial reactions on from what I'm seeing on the internet is that people are pretty divided, which is like shocker how people feel about literally everything Xbox does. So I've seen some people who are really excited about it and really high on everything that was shown today. I've seen some people who are like, great games, I wish we saw more from specific games. And then I've seen a lot of like, wow, that was shit, PlayStation wins, fuck Xbox, that kind of stuff. We'll kind of run through everything that happened and then kind of discuss from there. But I, yeah, I didn't. I don't really have, again, these are, these are really fresh and raw kind of takes as we're literally just coming off an hour from the show and now I'm recording my thoughts. So it's a little bit of a jumbled mess, but I try to take some notes throughout the show to keep some level of coherency and structure to this so without further ado we'll jump in the show starts and what are you going to start with well none other than halo infinite the thing that's been teased like non-stop for years now um the past full week the halo twitter like halo and 343 and microsoft have been having like a social media online marketing blitz with just teasing you constantly about halo yesterday we got like key art for the game revealed uh, which basically confirms you know the grappling hook that master chief's going to have in this game it's just been a constant week of people just hyping up halo 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 and so they open the show with the thing you have no choice but to open the show with which is of course halo because this is the real thing that's going to make or break the xbox series x in terms of its perception of whether or not it has the games it's well what does your new halo look like it's the it's the game that pretty much built the Xbox brand and and still to this day is its biggest attraction and its biggest uh its biggest you know game franchise um to date so Halo Infinite they went straight in I love the way they opened this demo by basically just taking you to a start screen and it just said you know press the guide button or whatever the view button whatever it's called to start the demo and then it just took you right in now again I just don't even know where to start this is obviously where we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking because no doubt Halo Infinite was the biggest game shown and it's the game that I'm most excited about this is Halo is my favorite video game franchise so it's just 
Something I got. I, we're going to have to talk about this a lot. If you don't like Halo, fuck you. Fast forward two hours. You'll see us on the other side. But here we go. So Halo Infinite is basically everything people speculated it would be. It seems like we got it all right 100%, which I don't think sa says that us as the internet are like collective fortune tellers. I think what this says is 343 has been listening with keen ears, you know, from the beginning saying, okay, okay, we get it. Even though... Halo 5 got a great Metacritic score and sold really well and has a great player base and really good engagement and it's technically done very well. Uh, the fact that like the minority of people want to just be on Twitter all day shitting about how Halo 5 sucks means that we have to take a Star Wars approach and overhaul this franchise so that we can bend the knee to you whiny little fuckboys who feel entitled to this franchise. And so that's what Halo Infinite is, which is, and I don't mean that as a disservice to 343 or Halo because I think Halo Infinite looks phenomenal and I love 343 and I'm really pleased with everything they showed today. But I do have my criticisms and I think a lot of it stems from the same kind of criticisms that I have with Star Wars, though great, though, you know, thankfully, I don't think Halo and 343 have sacrificed as much of the original intent and, and what the franchise is to satiate fans in the way that Star Wars has, thank God. Man, I'm just, I'm just all over the place. So yeah, Halo Infinite, they, they show, basically, they, they show a little intro cinematic with Chief and the pilot that we were introduced last year at E3 from that trailer, and they, they land on this new Halo ring, and basically, none of that matters. We're not here to talk about the story. That's not that's not what matters. But they jump into gameplay, and it's obviously very intentionally reminiscent of Halo One. It's supposed to be Halo Combat Evolved. It's bringing you back to that that on that wonder of like being stranded on this Halo ring in this new world where you get to explore. And you know, back in two thousand one, when we were playing Halo Combat Evolved, it felt like that was a massive open world game, much in the way that you know we play something now, like. Red Dead Redemption 2 and think open world but obviously by 2020 standards we look at Halo Combat Evolved and we're like well you know it's a linear level based first person shooter and so how do you how do you create that sense of awe and wonder and open endedness in a 2020 Halo game if you're trying to make, like achieve that level of, of wonder and exploration well you build a giant open world game so Basically, and, and I love that they did this without having some narrator explain what was going on. It was just the gameplay demo spoke for itself, and that's really the best way to do this. There was no dumbass at 343 who's just like, let me explain to you all the intricacies of the slip space engine that you don't give a shit about. It was literally just like, hey, we built this game. We know Halo fans will be excited about it. We know that the audience will understand what we're going for if we just let the product speak for itself and that's how you know you, that's I mean that's a sign of a, of a good game right is when when the demo or the the showing can speak for itself without some some dumb fuck from California having to explain uh, I don't know frames per second or ray tracing so basically you know chief pulls up his HUD map which is instantly like oh look at this it's an open world game look he's got missions and and locations he can select and and then he starts running around, and you find some grunts, and he shoots them, and you immediately realize, what the fuck happened to the the AR? What, why is the UNSC assault rifle suddenly look like it was pulled out of Halo Reach? Because it, it does, and that was that was my first like little tiny gripe as a Halo fan, was like, why? I, I loved the way it looked in Halo 4 and 5, but whatever, I get it, we're going for a different look. Who, who gives a shit? That's not, a, that's not the end-all be-all at the end of the day, so we'll... We'll let it slide, and Chief starts shooting guys, and then he runs, and then it's immediately like, oh man, half the Halo community is immediately pissed off because it has a because this game has the run feature, which I was excited about because I don't know why you would make an open world game where you can't run, and people keep forgetting that. But like, I, an open world game without a run button would be like fucking Halo if 
if only every other sh- every other time you pulled the trigger, the gunshots. Like you're just neutering the ability to traverse this world if you can't run. So of course the game has a run feature because it needs it. But some other things we saw from the gameplay demo that were kept, like the clamor ability where you jump up to a ledge and Chief kind of grabs a hold and pulls himself up, that was kept over from Halo Five, which I know some people were also pissed about. But again, me as a massive Halo Five fan, I'm very happy to see that stay intact. It doesn't look like we're gonna have. Uh, that ground pound feature, that Spartan ground pound where you charge up your shot in midair and smash onto a target, which is really unfortunate, but we, we don't know. We I mean, there's m- still much more to see at this game that we don't know about. Um, but yeah, everything was there. The, 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 the grappling hook, the weapons look completely different. They showed a bunch of new weapons. They now have items which are very reminiscent of Halo 3. Like they have that shield you could throw out and kind of defend yourself with. It looks like a cross from the one from Halo 3 paired with the one from Destiny. And I mean, I gotta say, for a game that's going for like a really like Halo Combat Evolved kind of reminiscent feel, I thought the game looked a lot like Halo 3 more than anything. Um, it looks a little bit like every Halo. Like the weapons kind of look like Halo reach and then the gameplay kind of looks like halo 3 but the world kind of looks like combat evolved i feel like they do a really good job of like hitting all the notes of like we hear you loud and clear you hate 343 because every time we try to do something creative and different you guys get pissy because you just want the same shit over and over again you're the kind of halo and star wars fans are like your friends who who say like i've never had sushi before and you try to take them to a goddamn sushi restaurant and they get pissy the second they see raw fish because all they've ever had their entire fucking life is like cheeseburgers and pizza And that's basically what this was. It was like, we hear you loud and clear when we tried to take liberties with the art style and advance the franchise in Halos 4 and 5. You guys had a little hissy fit, so we're toning it back. We're going to make everything look like a combination of Halos 1, 2, 3, and Reach, and ODST, because that's all you guys like. We get you. And that's exactly what the game looks like to me. It looks like a massive open-world game that has like equal parts every Halo game that Bungie ever made. And I mean, that is what it is. I think the game still looks beautiful. As someone who loves every single Halo game, it's really hard for me to be disappointed by any of this because it's just still, to me, I'm just like, I'm just so happy to be seeing new Halo game, you know? So yeah, so I think that was like kind of stuff that stands out first is like the abilities, the grappling hook, the weapons. There's a bunch of new weapons that are introduced. And then of course, you know, the enemy type, which is we've been teasing or we've been seeing tease now for a while, which is that the banished are your main enemy faction. So it's, the, you know, the nice thing about the Banish is they're technically, like, fighting the Covenant, you know? It's, it's like, if you fought the Covenant from Halo 1 and 2, but with a heavier emphasis on Brutes. So, in that sense, I guess it's, like, pretty much like Halo 3. Um, so, the enemy type is familiar, yet different. And then, there's a new, there's a new, uh... Then, at the end of the demo, Chief comes in contact with, like, this, uh, this this hologram kind of thing where he where the player is introduced to the new bad guy, the new villain of the game, which is uh, a brute war chief named Eshram. Um, so, I mean, immediate red flag to anyone who's played Halo Wars 2. There's no Atriox here. So, uh, again, this is going to be all over the place, so apologize. The game takes place... 167 days or so after the events of Halo 5. So in 343's mission and their effort to 
try and do that spiritual reboot to Halo and have it be a jumping in point for people who either are lapsed Halo fans or haven't played the game in a while or have never played the game before. They've kind of done this cutoff thing where it's like, if you've played previous Halo games, you'll have a lot more context for the world. But if you've never played a Halo game, you won't be, you know, turned off by it or scared away because you can jump in as at the as a first-time player and kind of get a gist and understanding of what's going on here. So I understand that's what they wanted to go for. It's a little bit disappointing because... 343 with Halo 4 and 5, you know, for better or for worse, they already went in the direction of like, you have to know extended universe lore in order to really understand what's going on in Halos 4 and 5. And now they're like totally backpedaling on that, which I'm fine with. But in doing so, what they've done is they've really taken the Halo 5 story and been like, meh, fuck it. You know, we're just kind of kind of distance ourselves from that, which, you know, doesn't make sense. This isn't Again, I, I always compare Halo to Star Wars because I think it's the the closest, uh, you know, analog. It's not like jumping from Star Wars, like Star Wars Episode Six, to like Star Wars Episode Seven, where it's just like okay, and then Darth Vader dies, and the Empire's mostly destroyed, and then you got thirty years or whatever before the next movie, and then you can fill in the thirty year gap with like TV shows and books and comics and shit. It's like no, well, this is like, what if you stopped? After the second movie, what if you stopped after like Empire Strikes Back and then we're like, eh, we're just not going to do a third. We're just going to jump 30 years and then we'll let comics and books and and, and TV shows fill in the blanks. It's like, no, no, you got to you got to do the third act before you can do the jump in time. So I understand why they're doing it. This is, you know, you got to understand that Halo Infinite is more than just the next Halo game. Halo Infinite is the thing that's supposed to create and solidify the Xbox Series X the way that Halo Combat Evolved solidified the original Xbox. You know, Halo, the original Xbox launched with Halo, and that's how that console succeeded. But you think about the 360, and the 360 was that one that one-off Xbox generation where Xbox just did well, where everyone just liked it. And, you know, Halo 3 didn't come out until the console was like two years old, and, and Gears of War and all these other things kind of sold the console, and being first to the HD, wireless controller, internet gameplay kind of generation really put the 360 in a great place. And, you know, they tried to do that again with the Xbox One, but the Xbox One clearly fell flat on its, fla- on its face. And it didn't have a Halo to back it up at launch. You know, Halo 5 didn't come out till the console was about two years old. Um, and by the time it came out, everyone was like, wow, this is the weakest Halo game ever made. And so, you know, there's like this whole fumbling that was the entire generation of the Xbox One for both Xbox as a brand and Halo as a franchise. And so now what this kind of is with Xbox Series X is it's like, hey, we can do like this soft reboot, not just for Halo, but for Xbox. And they're kind of, that's why it's kind of so important that you, you understand that or that Microsoft tries to get people to understand that Halo Infinite is a spiritual reboot to Halo, but Xbox Series X is like a spiritual reboot to Xbox, right? Because it's the generation end generations. We're not we're not doing the hard shut off thing. It's more fluid. It's Xbox is an, is a different thing now. You can play new Xbox games on old hardware, and you can do X Cloud, and we just want you to play and down and have a Game Pass subscription. It's it's a, it's a whole different way to think about Xbox and traditional console generations. And Halo Infinite's the same thing, where it's like, hey, it's not, this isn't just the next Halo, like Halo 3 or 4 or 5. This is Halo Infinite. We're, we drop the numbers. We're doing a spiritual re- reboot. It's Yes, it's the same universe, the same story, but things are different now. And what really furthers this is the kind of news that wasn't shown directly in the game showcase, but kind of after the fact and on the Halo Waypoint blog post where they, they straight up talk about how Halo Infinite is like a platform and not a games as a service like Destiny, but like a platform where they're basically saying there's no Halo that comes after this. Or, you know, maybe there will be 
later on down the road. They they didn't like they didn't marry themselves to that specific idea, but they basically said that the idea of Halo Infinite is it's a roadmap for Halo for the next ten years. Meaning that like when you buy Halo Infinite or you play Halo Infinite later this fall, you're gonna have a massive open world game with a campaign and a multiplayer component like every Halo, right? Except obviously every Halo is not open world. But the idea is that rather than in three years then being like, okay, buy Halo Infinite, here's the next Halo, Halo uh, Halo Synagogue, where you go to the synagogue as Master Chief and and pray or something. I don't know. It's not that's not what the next Halo is. The next Halo is going to be like a brand new story or new story content that will be that, that will be available in the Halo uni- in the Halo Infinite menu in the, in the in that game. Like Destiny, in the sense that like new content, new story content, new campaigns and things like that will go into the game. But not like Destiny in that like you join up with friends, it's a shared world and things change and and you go raiding and stuff. It's not like that at all. It's like the single player is going to continue to be a single player game, but they will add new stories, new campaigns, new new lore into that game over time, and that will be Halo for the next decade, rather than like Halo Infinite, then Halo 7, then Halo 8, Halo 9, that kind of thing. It's really important to note that Halo's kind of having a similar a similar kind of thing right now that the Xbox brand is having as a, as a home console brand and that's why it's so important for 343 and Halo to sorry 343 and Microsoft to get this right because they're relying on Halo to be the system seller you know just the killer app the way that Halo Combat Evolved was for the Xbox they need Halo Infinite to be a selling point for the Xbox Series X in terms of showing like what makes this generation or what makes this new era of Xbox what it's supposed to be. And that's why there's, you know, I don't envy 343. Again, there's so much writing on this game and it's not an envious situation to be in or a position to be in rather. Um, but yeah, so I mean, many people saw this and probably thought, wow, this looks in some ways so much like classic Halo, but in some ways so much not like Halo. To me, as someone who's been who's gotten so... Uh, familiar with 343's Halo, this this did almost it almost felt like so different that it didn't feel like Halo, even though it like visually looks like classic Halo. Because I was watching, it, I'm just like I I didn't realize like how used to the the art aesthetics and, and styling of four and five I, that I didn't realize like how used to that I got. And so I look at like Halo Infinite, I'm just like wow, this looks so weird. And, and I guess the reality is that it's not that this looks so weird. It's really more that like Halo 4 and 5 look weird. But in a way, I guess this looks weird too because even though artistically it kind of looks like Halo's 1 and 3, like I was saying, like Halo's never been an open world game. Master Chief's never had a grappling hook. You know, all these, there's so many new weapons and there's a lot new here. Like there's so many articles with so much information that were released right after the show that, you know, release information that wasn't in the show. Like the fact that you'll be able to upgrade your weapons and stuff. Master Chief won't be a levelable character, a levelable character with like a skill tree, like in every other open world game, but you'll be able to upgrade your weapons and your gear and you'll be able to like explore a big map and unlock new parts of the Halo ring. It's it's gonna be unlike any Halo we've ever seen before. And so there's just I don't know. There it seemed like there was a lot of polarization at first. I, I what I was seeing online was everyone was like, "Holy crap, Halo Infinite looks incredible!" And I was it was just a really nice moment for like ten seconds to be like, "Oh my god, everyone's excited about Halo again. Everyone's excited about Xbox. What a happy day!" And then like ten seconds later everyone was just like shitting on it. I guess it was like Xbox fans were watching the stream and getting excited about it. And then two minutes later, PlayStation fans or Xbox haters or something were just like, Oh, what's, what's this happening on the internet? Xbox. Oh, look at halo. Let's shit on it. So 
now everyone's joking about how the graphics don't look that good. And I'll, I'll agree. I don't think the graphics are like anything to write home about. And, and maybe that's a really, I, I don't, to me, it's not a big deal, but maybe that's a really big deal. If you're trying to talk about the most powerful console ever made and your new generation of Xbox hardware, when your selling point is power, 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 you know, more powerful than the competitor, but then your killer app doesn't look like the most powerful game I've ever seen. I, I guess that is a fair criticism to me. I don't care the game. I mean, it's a massive open world game that runs at 60 FPS. Like how many, how many massive open world games do you know of that run at 60 FPS? Like th that's usually a 30 frames per second kind of deal. So to me, I'm just like 60 FPS halo and it's a big open world game. I'll take it. I don't give a shit if it's 1080p or whatever. Cause I mean, but that's cause I'm just not a massive graphic fidelity whore. Um, I care more about just smooth frame rate and a good game, but there are a lot of people shitting on how some of the character of character art and facial animations and things like that just don't look good and how the game just kind of looks a little washed out and bland rather than like highly detailed and, and aesthetically insane. But I mean, you think about it, it's like, man, I don't know what to say. Like people are sh posting screenshots comparing how like previous Halo games have more detail on certain like guns and objects than they do on Halo Infinite. But I'm like, yeah, well, those are like linear, small level based shooters. This is a massive open world game. So not to I mean, I guess it sounds like I'm trying to defend it, but not to necessarily defend it. I again, I personally just don't give a shit. I mean, I'm sure the game will look a little better when it releases and they are doing a ray tracing update that comes out a few months after the game comes out. But I, I, I'm sure this is largely what the final product looks like. It's we're too close to launch for it to really look drastically different from this. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, I don't care. It runs at 60 FPS. It's the gameplay looks like they nailed it. And that's really all I care about. But yeah, it just seems like there's some people who are a little divided on the game, mostly about the way things look. Um, but you know, that doesn't speak to the way game, the game plays. Um, I've been saying on the show for the longest time for about as, for as long as the show has been a pot, you know, as long as I've been doing this podcast, I've been saying, if you want to make Halo successful again, you got to make the new Halo game, Halo Breath of the Wild. And it looks like that's what 343 has done here. And I'm really proud of them, and I'm I'm really happy about it. As a fan, I'm totally pleased. I understand we're going to get those story points from Halo 5 eventually wrapped up, whether it be from smaller subplots in this game or comics or books or other extended universe content or maybe some spinoff game. I don't know how, but I'm sure we're going to get those plots sewed up and explained at some point, and I'm excited to learn all that as someone who loves Halo 5 and thinks that that game gets way too much unnecessary hate. Um, but... You know, with that said, this game on its own terms looks incredible. And I just don't understand how you can, as a Halo fan, look at this game and be anything shy of just like sh like shitting your pants excited over it because I just think it looks so good. Every like I was I was like I was like basically crying watching this thing. I was just so happy they did everything I wanted them to do. Really, the only like I mean, my criticisms being things like oh I don't like the way the the gun the gun looks now the AR like that's a really stupid minor criticism, right? A real criticism would be like oh wow now Master Chief is voiced by Troy Baker and the the whole game is just a Last of Us knockoff. And it's a third person game, and it's all about narrative. And you don't even you don't even fight the Covenant now. You just fight your emotional insides. It's like, well, yeah, that would be a shitty Halo game. But like, this looks like they just got everything right. And I'm as a Halo fan, I'm just really excited to have Halo back and to have a new Halo game and to see Halo try and be evolutionary rather than just more of the same. So. 
whatever. I was super, I'm super pumped about it. They have one of the composers from, or, or they have the composer from Ori, uh, the Ori series, Ori and the Will of the Wisp, Ori and the Blind Forest, uh, joining the staff and the music sounds beautiful throughout the demo and the trailer. I don't know. It just, it just looks so good to me. It's like, I, I like I said, Halo needs to be Halo Breath of the Wild. They did exactly that. It looks phenomenal. I think it's going to be an incredible game. I'm excited to see more and cannot wait to get my hands on it. They said they're going to show the multiplayer in the coming months, so I cannot wait to see what the multiplayer looks like. That's, you know, Halo is a 50-50 game. It's 50% about the multiplayer, 50% about the campaign. It's not Call of Duty where it's 99% about the multiplayer and the campaign's a 1% who gives a fuck. Like, Halo... It's it it's a two pronged approach. That's why people love Halo 4's campaign, but Halo 5's multiplayer, and hate the other side of each game because they only nailed it on one side for each game. But let, let's see how they do in Halo Infinite. I think so far it looks like they've nailed the campaign. I really really hope they nail the multiplayer as well. And I'm extremely optimistic. Let me know what you thought about Halo Infinite. That's literally the biggest news from all this. I'm just so happy to have finally seen gameplay of it. I'm so excited for this game. There's very few things in this world I could give a fuck more about than Halo Infinite, so I am really glad that so far it looks like they're truly delivering on this experience, but that's just my opinions as a kind of, you know, immediate immediate emotions and feelings towards the showing, but, you know, it, it is a little more complex than that. There are some things that I think, you know, I, I have other minor gripes, and it seems like some people have some serious issues with it, so I'd be very interested to hear what you guys think of Halo Infinite. Um, but there was a whole other part of the show. There was a whole lot more shown. So let's try to jump into some of that stuff as well. I, I took notes as I was watching the show and just wrote, you know, in the order of events that incur occurred. So we will talk about all the other games that were shown now in the order that they were shown. So the next game, big, not no disrespect to Undead Labs, but big step down in, in terms of level of excitement or hype. Um, but the next game that was shown was State of Decay 3. So so Undead Labs is making a State of Decay 3, uh, which is exciting when you consider this. When Undead Labs made State of Decay 2, or rather, during the development of State of Decay 2, that, that was when they were purchased by Microsoft. So it was... It was one of those things of like, okay, there's still, you know, they were an indie studio when they made State of K1 that kind of partnered with Xbox, and then they were kind of funded by Xbox for State of K2, but now they're a, they're an in-house team, they've proven themselves, they've had two iterations of this game, now it's time to make like the AAA State of Decay. This isn't, this isn't just another State of Decay in the way of like the first two games, this is like your chance to say, okay, here's a big team, and some serious money, and some real time behind this game let's see what we can make now and i'm excited because state of decay is a game i've always wanted to like i never played the first one but was always interested by it i played the second one and then kind of got turned off by it a little bit it's a little buggy it's a little ugly it's a little like too open-ended for me but i'm really hoping that state of decay 3 is one of those like third times the charm things where like everything finally clicks now it's hard to say you know how i feel about it based on what we saw because they just showed a, a cinematic teaser trailer, so I really don't give a shit. To me, it didn't move the needle anyway. It's like some girl running the forest. She's hunting some deer or wolf or some shit, and it's a zombie, and then it shows the title of the game. So they didn't really show enough of anything for you to be excited in any way other than if you are already a State of Decay fan and you're now excited by the news that there's a new entry in the series. So um, State of Decay 3 is in development. I expect it will be a 2022 game or something like that, so probably a little ways off, but... Now we know what Undead Labs is working on. 
uh, and it's more state of decay. So in the way that 343 is the Halo team, in the way that the Coalition is the Gears of War team, it looks like Undead Labs is the state of decay team. So we'll see if they ever get away from that and do something else. But for the foreseeable future, state of decay is uh, still their, their, their bread and butter. Then Phil Spencer came on the screen and it was the first time we kind of geared away from like just gameplay after or after rather... It was the first time we saw something other than just game after game. It was a little bit of like, uh, let's introduce this. And, and Phil Spencer is all like, hey, I'm wearing a Halo Infinite t- uh, I'm wearing a Halo Infinite t-shirt. And Jesse's at home right now thinking to himself, how can I get my hands on one of those Halo Infinite t-shirts? Anyway, here's the new Forza game. And then they showed a teaser for Turn 10, the original Forza developer, the Forza, Forza Motorsport developer's new Forza game, which is, uh, this is, this is the kicker, is it's early in development, and it doesn't have a proper title. They just called it Forza Motorsport. And I assume it's going to be called, you know, Forza Motorsport something or Forza Motorsport 8 or something like that. You know, they're not going to just call it Forza Motorsport. But maybe they will. Maybe it's maybe Forza's having a spiritual reboot in the same sense of the way Halo is. Honestly, that wouldn't actually surprise me thinking that maybe Forza's going to have that Halo Infinite layout of like, we're going to make a massive... Forza game where we continue to update it and add to it rather than making a new Forza every other year as you know they traditionally have done so I I assume you know again knowing that Forza Motorsport is a biannualized franchise and that we haven't seen one in a few years and that this is the year where we would normally see one I'm guessing that Turn 10 has been taking the past few years to work on a new engine for the game to really invest a lot of time and money and talent into really beefing up the engine for next gen and and now they're building like a forza kind of platform in pl- i mean this just makes perfect sense because you you gotta think about like this and, and this and this goes for halo infinite as well if the world we live in with xbox now is that it's all about game pass and not about going to the store and spending 60 dollars, it's like then it stands to reason that microsoft can give more content and more for players to enjoy by doing game platforms over iterative releases right because think about it like this the traditional gaming kind of cycle is game comes out takes two to five years to make 60 bucks, people buy the game, people stop buying the game, game stops being profitable because people have already bought and played the game, developer makes new version of game, two to five years later it comes out, people spend 60 bucks on it, rinse, repeat. But if you're, if your main source of income or if what you're trying to switch your platform to is a service like Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate, Xbox Live, that kind of shit, then why would you just make, you know, game 60 bucks, release, develop new one next? Because then you just create this fractured player base where it's like, okay, everyone on Xbox is playing games through Game Pass because no one's stupid enough to buy $60, $70 games anymore when you could have Game Pass. And they want us to, what, just play Halo 6 on Game Pass and then in three years when Halo 7 goes into Game Pass, we just stop playing 6 and then 6 becomes this thing that's available through Game Pass but no one plays it because it's the old one. Like, no, that makes no sense. So what you do is you create a platform for Halo or for Forza and it's this thing where everyone's playing on Game Pass, so you just play on the platform. And when you have new cars to release, new tracks to release, new campaigns to release, whatever, you put it into the game and everyone's just playing Forza, the platform, rather than... And, and you know, now as I as I talk about this, I'm, I'm actually convinced that the game probably is just called Forza Motorsport because, why, again... Why make iterative versions of the game? Like I, this problem already exists, and in fact, Forza is the perfect example. When you go on, when you go on Game Pass, you see Forza, Forza Six, uh, Forza Seven, Forza uh, Horizon Three, Horizon Four, and you're just like, I mean, what incentive do you have to go and play Forza Horizon Three or Motorsport Six when you can just play the newest version of each series? So if you if you 
eliminate that problem by just making the franchise a platform, then you have this situation where it's like, okay, well now we don't need to make a new iterative version of the game because we're not trying to get $60 out of these people. They're playing, they're paying month to month and that's where the money comes from. And now we can just invest in the platform by putting new content in and rebuilding the engine and updating the engine on the back end and keeping it new and exciting and fresh all the time while also keeping the player base in the community intact at all times. This is actually a really smart thing that you can only do if you really have a platform like Game Pass. That's ex- this is another example of like how Xbox is able to kind of change the game or completely change their position because the decisions they're making in the in the way the game they're playing here is totally different from previous generations and from what the competition's doing. So really interesting stuff when you think about it. So basically what we have here is Halo and Forza are becoming platforms not, you know, not not just iterative releases. But what that also brings into consideration is, okay, well then what is that, where do we draw the line here? Is it like, you think about a game like Halo, it's like, well, Halo's always been a community-driven game. It has, it has legs. Halo's not a game you buy, you play through the story, you beat it, you put it down, buy Halo, see you next time. Halo's a game where it's like you come back time after time because the multiplayer's fun or Forge or it's a great game with your friends or because the campaign's that replayable. Forza Motorsport, of course, it's a similar thing where it's like, you just dick around with cars, you buy new ones, you fine-tune them, you go into the showroom, you race, and you just keep coming back to the game time and time again. It is already in and of itself a games as a serve or a, a game platform in in a sense. So what you're really doing is you're just kind of playing into that and and just making it more enticing. Whereas it's like, well, what about games that really don't work in that kind of fl- platform? It's like, well. Well, we just gave an example, State of Decay. I guess State of Decay really is more of a game where it's like you play it, you beat it, you move on to the next one. Um, You think about the games Obsidian makes where it's like Outer Worlds isn't really a platform. You probably make, you know, after you're done with Outer Worlds, you make a different game and then you make a different game. And then so it, it really is this kind of thing of like, this this uh this format only works for certain franchises or certain types of games, you know, but Microsoft has enough of them and the the convenience and the advantage of Game Pass really allows for and lends itself to this. So why not just do it anyway? So I think that's what we're seeing here and that's what we're going to see happen to Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves isn't going anywhere, you know. The other team at Rare that's making that's making Everwild isn't, you know, they're not the entire team at Rare. They have a Sea of Thieves team that's staying on Sea of Thieves, working on new content and things like that. And eventually what they'll do is they'll just on the back end, update the engine, update the graphics, add new things into it, push major patches and releases. And then eventually Sea of Thieves will continue to grow as a platform. Sea of Thieves is probably the first version or the first example of a game that's already out that Microsoft owns that that does this. And it's going to continue to be one of those games. So it's a really interesting thing to think about that I hadn't really considered too much before. But this is kind of the future of Xbox games where it's it's not so much about next game after the next game in a specific franchise, but rather about like a platform that just kind of changes and evolves and has new content. And it's really hard. I, I hope it comes through the way I'm trying to explain this, that I'm not saying every game is like the division or destiny where it's like, you know, one day you log in and then this hub world's no longer there because the story's changed and you got to team up with seven friends to do this thing. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the game is, you know, a game at start. And then over time they can continue to upgrade the mechanics, upgrade the fidelity, the graphical fidelity, add new content to it, add more stories to it so that, you know, rather than you having to arbitrarily go onto your console and pick between Halo 6, 7, and 8, you can just play Halo and then all the content that would be in an individual Halo game is all just on one platform. I guess kind of like Master Chief, but more in like a real-time way where like, no, the game is all cohesively tied together, all the content. But 
yeah, I just I think that's really cool. Um, other than that, yeah, there wasn't much said about Forza. I'm sure we're it looks like we're a couple of years away from hearing about that, so maybe that's another two years or so away uh, before we see that Forza platform or game release. They showed an in-engine tech demo. It's like everything you've ever seen with every racing game ever, where it's just like it looks drop dead gorgeous. It's for a very specific audience. I enjoy Forza, but I only play one every couple of years, so I was just like, oh, it's pretty. It's more Forza. I'll definitely give it a try when it comes out because it'll be on Game Pass and next. So speaking of Rare, which we just talked about a little bit, the next game shown was Everwild. And this is this was the first thing to show that like genuinely disappointed me. With Halo, I had my nitpicks and my little personal gripes with it. But Halo Infinite like like just blew me away for the most part. State of Decay 3, I was like, oh, cool, more of that. Turn 10, Forza Motorsport, I'm like, okay, that's to be expected. But... The rare tease here for Everwild was my first disappointment where I was like, you already showed this game at XO19 last last fall, and now all they showed was another cinematic trailer for it. I'm like, okay, you have two things here. First of all, if you wanted this to be a cool reveal, what you would have done was not show the game at XO19, just held it in your fucking pants until now, and then showed the game off for the first time now. And then you could have gotten away with just the cinematic tease. Because no one expected Rare to be working on a second game. Everyone knew Sea of Thieves was popular. And that Rare was working really hard to support that game. So if they just hadn't said anything about this game for all this time. And then just now announced it. They could have done just a cinematic trailer. And everyone would have counted that as a major win. But because they went ahead and teased this game unnecessarily last year, right before the Xbox Series X was ever even properly announced, they just they just kind of made this whole point just kind of moot and kind of underwhelming. Because what they showed was just a second trailer. The first one was like a setting tonal piece. And this one had narration. It kind of set the world a little more. kind of gave a little more lore and story to the, to the game. But again, it doesn't show any gameplay. I still don't know what the fuck Everwild is. And it sucks because I think visually the game looks so interesting. I'm really excited to learn more about it, but I am just as confused today as I was when they first announced it seven months ago or whenever it was, eight months ago. And I'm just as, and, and now I'm significantly more disappointed because we knew that Rare was going to be at the show and we pretty much knew that Everwild was going to be at the show, but they didn't tell us what the game was. They didn't show us gameplay. They just showed another teaser that leaves a bunch of unanswered questions about just what the fuck this game is. So this was the first thing where I was like, okay, that's actually an actual letdown. That's a miss. And, and that's not a knock on the game. I think that I still, I'm still interested in this game. I still want to know more about it. I just don't think that was the proper thing to do. I think they either had to show gameplay or not have rare at this event because they already showed the game off before. And now that's twice. We've seen this game with no context for what the hell it is. And that's a, that's a no, no. Speaking of speaking of no nos or don't nos or don't nod, the developer behind the popular Life is Strange series, in a very similar move to what we just got with Rare's Everwild, Don't Nod showed uh, or there was a trailer for Don't Nod's Tell Me Why, which was also released I think back at XO19. So same thing again, where it's like they did another, they did a really long another story kind of trailer for the game, but. This one, this one's a little different because it's a because it's an episodic, story-driven kind of adventure game, and it's not really a gameplay-focused game. This one doesn't need a gameplay demo. You know, no one needs a gameplay demo of like 
like Telltale's The Walking Dead or Life is Strange, right? We we know what it is. You walk around, you, you talk to people, you pick choices, and it's kind of a cinematic, you know, adventure game. You, you do more watching and dialogue selecting than you do truly playing the game. So I didn't need a gameplay demo for this, but they just showed another story trailer which is like, wait, you guys already showed this off. I can't, I can't remember if they showed this game off last year at E3 or during XO19. But, but either way, I, now I think about, it, I think it was E3. But like, we've been seeing this game for close to, if not a full year now, and all they did was just show another trailer for it. I'm like, we didn't need that now. I, I understand it's a console exclusive. It's being funded by Microsoft, and it's from Don't Nod. Or, or maybe it's just, yeah, I believe it's, I, I mean, I believe it's console exclusive. I know Don't Nod usually works with Square Enix, but, but yeah, it's coming exclusively to Xbox and, and basically the only news we got out of it was that chapter one, because it's an episodic game, chapter one will be coming out on August 27th. So I guess, I mean, I guess that was news worth telling, but that was something that you should have saved kind of like towards the middle or t- towards that, like, that, like, uh, rapid fire of like smaller games rather than being like okay here's a couple huge first party games and then here's this and i'm like okay this one didn't really bother me as much as everwild uh my reaction was just more so that's that's totally fine i don't i'm not super invested in this game i guess i'll whatever i'm gonna give this game a try but i just don't think this was like a massive win and that's that's fine that's not a knock of that's not a knock towards the showing overall because at the end of the day i don't think that the most important thing is that you know don't nods tell me why is the most important looking or is the most vi- like stunning game. And, and I don't expect every game to be a halo infinite tier game. So the fact that they had a smaller game in there, that's fine. But I, I wasn't particularly blown away by this. The, the big news is if you're looking for the game episode one comes out late next month. So that's really good. I'll definitely be checking it out as someone who loves life is strange one and hates life is strange two. Can't wait to see what that's all about. And then our second one, or I mean, our second one, our next thing we got here was from Moon Studios. My hope was that they were going to be like, okay, Moon Studios is officially an Xbox-owned studio, uh, but no, that's not the case. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. What they really did was they just basically said, hey, Ori in the Will of the Wisps is getting an a, a Xbox Series X update or patch. It's going to be it's going to be a smart delivery game. It's going to have a 120 FPS update, and that's coming out later on this year. And yeah, we're excited to be working here. This is this is a weird one where I feel like it's like Microsoft. Why do you not own Moon Studios? Why like what what are we missing here? Like they're still privately owned, but it's like they're a small team. They've only made games that are exclusive to your platform, and people already greatly associate them with you guys. It's like and they make great games. It's like you guys need to just scoop these guys up before they start making games for PlayStation or all platforms or before they, you know, get bought up by someone else. It's like, just pull the trigger on these guys, buy them already. But this was one of those announcements where I'm like, all right, again, another, like, just like don't nods. This should have been like a sizzle reel trailer. This does, this didn't need to be like a whole thing. Like you didn't even need to have this in the showcase. This could have been an Xbox wire blog post. I didn't, I didn't need in the big E3 drop to know that Moon Studios is getting, is is working on a Series X patch for Ori and the Will of the Wisps. But nonetheless, it's happening, and I guess that's cool. Maybe I'll just continue to put this game off on my list until the Series X is out so I can enjoy it in 120 FPS, I suppose. But that was that. Really not much to divulge there. I'm, I'm still kind of holding out hope that Microsoft's going to scoop them up soon, but... 
Next, they showed. Now, this is this is where it gets really interesting again. They um, they showed the outer worlds, so we got into like obsidian territory. This is where they're like, all right, for now, now we're gonna do our little obsidian hour. And and the thing is, like, there's a lot there's a lot riding on obsidian because I think of all the studios that Microsoft's acquired in recent history, Obsidian's the biggest one. It's the most important one, right? Because I mean, Obsidian just obviously has such a such a big track record and such a big history, and they're just so famous for Fallout New Vegas and and just they're massive in the PC space and things like that. I, I think undoubtedly Obsidian is the biggest studio that Microsoft acquired in recent years. But the problem is they're still kind of caught in this situation where they have this agreement and with Private Division to work on Outer Worlds, which is, you know, while a great game, it's kind of a multi-platform game. So what they really showed first off was, a, you know, DLC for Outer Worlds, which is obviously coming to Switch and PS4 and it's not Xbox exclusive stuff. So that was kind of weird seeing that in the Xbox first party you know, lineup thing, but it's also kind of understandable. So, I mean, obviously this is coming to Xbox as well, but they announced their Peril of Gorgon, which is coming out on September 9th, so coming out pretty soon. This is one of the two major DLC, story DLCs for Outer Worlds, um, so I'm actually excited to play this. I thought Outer Worlds was pretty good. I enjoyed it quite a bit last year, so this will be a good excuse for me to jump back in and, and just play some more story content and then bounce out until the, the, the last one comes out. But yeah, I mean, the DLC looks pretty good. They showed a trailer for it with plenty of gameplay, is an is a nice balance of cinematic and gameplay stuff as a trailer should be especially at an event like this but yeah so that was kind of like one of those oh that's exciting outer worlds is a great game but this isn't really first party stuff and then they were like okay well now here's an update on grounded and then they showed a, a trailer for grounded that was kind of tongue-in-cheek is a little funny and kitschy and they're like oh yeah cyberpunk oh, it's not that good it's not that big it's a tiny game about tiny people and they're like oh just as a reminder the game comes out next week on july 28th so that's fine. I get it. It's like this game comes out next week. You want to have that fresh in people's minds. It's a good opportunity to promote this game that's about to be out. So I understand Grounded, whatever. This is like a Microsoft's bug snacks, if you will, except not really because they're nothing alike. And I'm excited for both games, even though people, for some reason want to hate on bug snacks but yeah this is this was another one that was like okay fine i get it this game's about to come out in just a few days you have an obligation to promote it so there you go but then finally after the whole third party game announcement and the whole here's our smaller project that we've been talking about a lot extensively that comes out next week then they finally got to their big announcement and this is where it gets interesting guys this is why microsoft bought obsidian this is what Obsidian's going to be able to do on, on Microsoft's platform that, you know, on Xbox that is going to be leaps and bounds be above every, you know, above everything else they've done. So they, they finally said, and I love the way they announced this too. They're, I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was Matt Booty or who that was kind of doing the intro to this, but, he, but he's basically like, oh yeah. And, you know, obviously Grounded is a smaller side project that's not like most of our, most of uh, Obsidian's games. Obviously you're expecting a big open world RPG game from us. He's like, well, they're working on one. Here's that. Here's a sneak peek at that, which I was, I thought that was such a great intro to this. And then they showed this cinematic teaser trailer for a new game called Avowed. So this is the next thing we're going to talk about extensively because this is a big one. So immediately it's like this kind of medieval-esque setting and these guys like pull these fire arrows and shoot them and there's some narration. I don't really give a shit. And I, I'm always the one who's like, oh, I don't like games like Elder Scrolls. I don't like medieval fantasy settings. It's just not my thing. And that was immediately my my gut instinct. But then I thought about it more. I was like, wait a minute. Do you know what this means? Do you know what this means for Obsidian? I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be... 
this, and this is one of those arbitrary points where it's like, if there were a new Elder Scrolls tomorrow, I wouldn't give a shit about it because I don't care about Bethesda games for the most part, and I don't like medieval fantasy settings. But because Obsidian's now an Xbox-owned first-party studio, and because I'm just excited about what's happening in the Xbox family, I'm just kind of arbitrarily like excited about this or just eager to learn more about it. And I understand there's some hypocrisy in that, and there's just some like kind of fanboyism in that, but... I don't care. I'm, I don't. I don't claim that this show is free of fanboyism. You know, I'm. If I'm a fanboy, that's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with being a fanboy of Xbox. It's not like it makes me a, a better or worse human being. But yeah, it's just. I, I just immediately was like, wait, no, I'm interested in this. This is interesting because it's like what I'm holding off to say is that. This is basically Obsidian's way of saying, okay, well, fuck you, Bethesda. We outdid you by making a Fallout game that you were, the Fallout game that you couldn't make when you made Fallout 4. And now we're going to outdo you by making the Elder Scrolls sequel that you can't make because, you know, Skyrim's been the fucking latest Elder Scrolls games for almost a decade now, and they're still too busy porting it to every fucking piece of hardware in the world rather than releasing a new game. So I just, I loved so much that. That this game, you know, the the one-two punch of like Outer Worlds and now Avowed, which is their new uh, RPG kind of medieval fantasy open world RPG game. I'm just like, wow, this is they're literally paralleling what <laughs> what Bethesda did and just being like, oh, OK, we can't make an Elder Scrolls game. We can't make a Fallout game, whatever. We'll just make our own equivalencies. And uh, it looks awesome. It, although I will say. It looks awesome because a guy drew a sword and then had some weird like Doctor Strange powers where he was like doing magic in midair, and I just thought that looked cool. It doesn't look awesome because they showed a lot of gameplay because that's that's my criticism of this is they they didn't show gameplay. I assume this game's pretty early in development and we're a couple years away from having it released. So unfortunately, this is this is going to be one of those games that we're just going to be following along for a long for a while. But the good thing about Obsidian is it seems like you know just judging by their last few games is they're really good at announcing a game and having the announcement to release time kind of be a pretty fair window and then also being pretty transparent and and fair about how much of it they show and and how often they show it and things like that so I'm confident that this game isn't going to be a a big ball buster for like five years before we get our hands on it but yeah it might be like it might be like a year or two out so but but here's the other thing I'm hoping is you know Outer Worlds it's a great game and one of the things I really loved about it was that it didn't overstay its welcome it's like 12 to 15 hours, then it ends and doesn't it doesn't try to stay around forever. But also you can kind of feel that like it had a slightly smaller budget. It was published by like, you know, Private Division, which is well an arm of 2K, but the smaller publishing arm of 2K. And it just kind of had this somewhere between double A and triple A feel to it where it's like, you know, two and a half A, like A, like double A and a half, if that makes sense. And I'm hoping that, you know, with some Xbox money and some more time, they can make Avowed a little more of like a full-fledged AAA big meaty uh, RPG game only for the sake of, you know, Xbox really needs that in terms of its exclusive lineup. And I think that this game intends on being that and is a really exciting proposition when you think about it because Elder Scrolls is a fran- is a franchise that's so sorely missed right now in the community. It's been way too long since since Skyrim came out and we're so far away from the next Elder Scrolls game as, as we know from that absurdly early tease. You know, Bethesda was saying that that Starfield's going to come out before Elder Scrolls 6, but they teased Elder Scrolls 6 anyway, and we still know nothing about Starfield, which just basically tells us that Elder Scrolls 6 is years away at least. So again, with Obsidian coming in and being like, 
hey, you don't have a new Elder Scrolls game? Fuck it, we'll make the new Elder Scrolls game. And then they just showcase Avowed. It's like, that's not only like ballsy and a nice slap in the face, especially when you just did Outer Worlds, but it's just fucking funny as hell. I, I kind of, I almost hope at this point that their next, that their next game is also just like beating Bethesda to the punch with Starfield where they're just like, fuck it. Basically anything you make, we're just going to make it first. We're going to make it better, faster, more efficiently. And we're going to make it optimized better for the console that it runs on rather than, you know, those buggy Bethesda games. So not, not to shit on Bethesda. I really don't have anything against them. I just don't personally care for their games all that much. Despite the fact that Fallout is a really interesting world and setting, I just don't think it's a super compelling video game. Um, but yeah, this, so Avowed, I think is going to be a big, it's a big one. And people really love medieval fantasy, open action RPG games. And I think everything about this game is very, it screams kind of Xbox because Elder Scrolls has such a history on Xbox. And I think the Xbox audience really likes stuff like this. So it's right at home on Xbox. It's a first party game. It's right up Obsidian's wheelhouse. It's filling a it's filling a market that needs to be filled in a world where Obsid where Bethesda's taking way too long to make new games. And I think it's a uh, I don't know. I just I, I think it looks interesting. I'm excited to see more of it. My only criticism is that we didn't really see any true gameplay of it. So we're you know again we're we're starting to get this reoccurring theme from this presentation from the showcase of like. Where's the gameplay, guys? We had this we had this complaint in May, and you guys said you heard us loud and clear, but now we're kind of having the same issue where it's like, uh, where's the gameplay? So that, unfortunately, kind of continued to be the theme when it came to, like, the really important games like this one, but not so much for, like, the smaller games. So, unfortunately, but we will we will continue on. So this is an interesting one. The next game announced was, it's a, it's a first-party game, but it's not an Xbox Game Studios developer. So Interior Nights, an end of... In, an indie developer um, with talent that worked on like Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain, so some like some well-known PlayStation games, is making a new interactive drama, kind of like almost like visual novel type game called uh, As Dusk Falls, which looks you know it's a their new studio they're from London, and the game kind of looks like a and the game's kind of like this interesting like there's like this event that unfolds and you see it from two different families' perspectives, and then it kind of branches out to like this narrative driven. Uh, kind of what if scenario or or this kind of alternating perspective scenario. It looks kind of interesting. It looks a little indie. It looks a little artsy. It it is the first game from Interior Nights, so this is an interesting game, uh, just because it's like it's it's steeped in PlayStation talent, but it's a new studio. It's an Xbox exclusive, and it's definitely unlike the kind of thing you normally see on Xbox. So I definitely thought this was a really cool looking game from the perspective of like filling out the portfolio with something new, something different. But I also thought, it, you know, it's again, you got to have some smaller games in there as well. You can't, they can't all be avowed or halo infinite. You know, you gotta, you gotta show some smaller games. So this is one of those ones that I don't expect to make big waves. Um, but I think it's really interesting just for the fact that, you know, these are ex developers of some prolific Sony PlayStation exclusives, and now they're starting their own independent team and making, you know, their first their first game, their inaugural game as as Interior Night as a developer, um, making an Xbox exclusive. So uh, they are still an independent team, though. So who who knows? Let's see how this game goes. Maybe this ends up being another Xbox acquired studio. Uh, so, but yeah, that's a. Uh, I, they didn't really announce anything about when it's coming out or anything like that, but it looks uh, it looks different. It looks interesting. It looks a little more compelling than like a Life is Strange, just in the terms that its story isn't its its writing and its voice acting doesn't seem as campy. But yeah, that was the that was the next thing they showed, and then after that, jumping back into the 
first party fold, we went over to Ninja Theory. And I, I love the way they laid out this event where it was like they kind of these transitions from like this team to this team. And they had like the little transition effects of like the world globe and it like moved over to like different parts of London or the US or England or the US based on like where the studio was based in. And uh, so next they showed Ninja Theory, who are of course working on Hellblade 2 right now, and where they once again confirmed, you know, Hellblade 2 is being made in Unreal in Unreal Engine 5. And they said uh, the game does take place in Iceland. So that's the setting of the game. And if you want to know more about the setting and how it plays into the game, then you can go onto their YouTube page and they have like a whole new developer di development diary about kind of the setting and all these things. Um, so this was another one of those like, guys, this is a big ball drop. It's like Ninja Theory, it's like you either had to show gameplay for, for Hellblade 2 or you had to show a new game or you had to show something like gameplay related. But it was just like a little developer update on on, on Hellblade 2. And that was like one of those like, uh, guys, did Ninja Theory even really need to be at this event kind of moments? And I, I think it was a waste of space and it was more just kind of trying to fill things out to be like, hey, don't forget, we own all these studios and they're doing all these things. But it's like, yeah, well... Remember, this is the game you showed when you announced your new console. This Hellblade 2 is, is the game that you shared alongside the Xbox Series X. And you don't have any gameplay to show us. You don't have any update on, like, a release window. So, like, obviously this game's not coming out in 2020. Obviously this is not a launch game, a launch window game. So... I think that's a big disappointment because it's like this is this was your selling point for the console the first time you ever showed it to the world and you have no substantial update on it. So it's like either don't show it or don't don't waste our time with this. But uh, this was one of those like uh, definitely a big miss. And this is where I kind of started. This is where like one of my main criticisms of the show kind of came into play where I'm like, you know, as good as it is, as much as I like a lot of what I'm seeing here, it does seem like there's a lot of these first parties that aren't really ready to go. And, and you know, Microsoft bought these teams years ago. And some, with some of these studios we were really anticipating at this point, it's like they're all focusing on the next generation so that they can have a launch game or a launch window era game. But a lot of what we're seeing here is it's like, wow, none of these teams are ready to go. We've got very few teams that are going to have games out in time for the launch of your new console. And I, I understand that the Series X, you know, isn't necessarily all about like new games to push new hardware because, you know, the thing is the platform, it's about Game Pass. You can hang on to your old Xbox if you want. You can play xCloud, whatever you want to do. But at the same time, it's like, guys, you do need to push this console and you do need games to sell it. At least to some extent, you have to have a lineup and it can't be, you know, just Halo. You can't have like <laughs> just Halo and uh, Grounded and I don't know what you're like. What 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 is what is the plan here outside of Halo? But it, it doesn't really seem like they're coming with the heat in terms of like bombarding that release that launch window with a bunch of first party content which is kind of a big deal and that and that's that's really the kind of thing that became apparent once we got to this point in the presentation where i'm like if, if you really wanted the, the series x to come out with a bang you had to have like three or four good first party games to to go along with that first month of release but it just doesn't look like that's what's happening here and that was a, a big disappointment to see the game that the Series X was announced with alongside just be like, hey, it's set in Iceland and it's on the new Unreal Engine. Bye. It's like, wait, what the fuck? No update? That one was a 
pretty big disappointment to me. But then next, they showed Double Fine. So Double Fine, the team working on Psychonauts 2, showed none other than an update on Psychonauts 2. They had a little 20th anniversary celebration badge. And then they went into a new showcase of Psychonauts 2, which showed a new song that Jack Black is performing for the, for the game, which is just so up their alley. Remember that Jack Black worked with Double Fine uh, in the in the Xbox 360 console exclusive uh, Brutal Legends, which is you know a great, which is kind of where Xbox and Double Fine really got their their good partnership going. So Jack Black kind of goes back with the studio. Uh, it's cool to see him coming back in some way for Psychonauts 2. Of course, with Psychonauts 2, it's kind of like an Outer Worlds thing where it's like, yeah, the game looks phenomenal. I'm excited for it. But again, this isn't like, a, hey, you need to buy an Xbox Series X because Psychonauts, when Psychonauts is already kind of pre-promised to be a multi-platform game. So you're going to be able to get it through PlayStation and Linux and Mac and all these other platforms where it's like, yeah, it, I mean, this is available in a lot more places than just Xbox and PC. This isn't... This is not a console exclusive. This is not an Xbox exclusive game. So it's it seems to me that Double Fine really, at least not to a big extent, isn't really working on a second project right now. It seems to be all hands on deck for Psychonauts 2. And what's even worse is now we know that Psychonauts 2 has been delayed to 2021. So, I mean, hopefully it's just like a spring 2021 thing. But, like, Double Fine hasn't really put out a game since they were purchased by Xbox. And we all figure that Psychonauts 2 would have been out by now. So it's like, how cool would it have been if like, you know, Double Fine would have been one of the studios where they could have said, here's a sneak peek at what Double Fine's working on for the next game. They would have been like, hey guys, we're Double Fine, the guys that just released Psychonauts 2. Now, uh, obviously this game only recently came out, but we want, we're so excited to share with you a sneak peek at what we're working on for our next game and then do like a tonal piece, like an Everwild trailer. And, and the reason why you could have gotten away with that with Double Fine is because hypothetically they would have either just put out Psychonauts or been so close to putting it out that's like oh I understand they've already had their tie their hands tied with another project that's why they're doing a teaser for a new game you know so with them it would have been understandable but no they're not working on another project as far as we know it's just still Psychonauts still a pre-promised multi-platform game that's going on other consoles so that doesn't mean the game is less exciting. Psychonauts 2 looks phenomenal. And we saw last week that Double Fine was talking about, you know, how they're able to make the game so much more AAA thanks to Xbox. And they're putting boss battles back in. They're getting Jack Black to sing a song for it. They're going to be able to make the game more polished and official and AAA thanks to Xbox and their funding and being a first-party studio. So that's all great. And Psychonauts 2 looks like a really compelling game. The problem is it's like this doesn't sell the Xbox brand. Because it's a multi-platform game. And I understand it's like, cool, if you're on Xbox, Game Pass, so you don't have to buy Psychonauts 2. But you're not making people who are mindset, you know, people who are heart set on PS5 right now are not more tempted to lean towards Series X now because they saw Psychonauts 2 again. Because despite how good the game looks, they can just get on their PS4. You know, they, it's, it's, it's not the new Double Fine thing that they're working on. So... Again, this is just another one of those, like, I understand the situation they're in. This isn't really, like, a shame on you, Microsoft, or Double Fine. You know, you got to make a game in the time it takes to make a game. If it, if it needs a delay, it needs a delay. If it needs more money, it needs more money. So I understand make the game what it needs to be so that's a good game when it comes out. But at the same time, it's like showing this isn't really moving the needle because you're not showing console exclusives. You're not showing, you know, something new. You're not showing something that makes... Xbox look like something, you know, you're not showing something that gives Xbox more allure and more cash over PlayStation. I don't know. That's the lost, that's the missed opportunity here. So 
Psychonauts 2 looks really good. I'm confident Double Fine's going to make something awesome as their next game for an Xbox exclusive game. But eh, it's it's like watching a third party. It's almost like watching a third party trailer because it's like you just know it's coming to PlayStation. And and while it's okay to have a few of those, I just again I don't know. This is this. These are your first party teams, and we want to see what these first party teams are making specifically for Xbox and. With a lot of these, I guess we're just having to wait a little bit longer than we initially thought. And that's not necessarily a shame on Microsoft thing. That's probably just a shame on me and my own ignorance that I don't understand how much it, how long and how much it takes to make these games. And, and that we just have to really have and exercise a lot of patience with these new Xbox teams that, you know, a lot of these guys were in the middle of working on other projects. Obsidian, Double Fine, all these guys were working on games for other consoles that were already pre-promised. And they had deals with other publishers. And they got to get all that shit out of the way before they can say, all right, Xbox, we got all those pre-obligations out of the way. Now we're all yours. We're all yours. What do you need from us? What what can we do for you? You know, they, until they're finished with all this Psychonauts 2 Outer World stuff, they're still kind of beholden to the multi-platform thing. Again, which is a great thing for us as gamers, but it's a bad thing for making the Xbox Series X a super alluring, exclusive-looking platform. But the next game they showed, and this was a really big surprise, although not like really exciting news, was Destiny 2. They announced that Destiny 2 is coming into Game Pass, and that all the expansions uh, up to the new one are also coming to Game Pass. So basically, if you don't have if you don't have, I mean, Destiny 2 is already kind of free to play, so it's a little bit of a cheat. But if you don't have all the expansions up through like up through like Forsaken and everything, then you can now just go ahead and then you can now just go ahead and get those for free. And then when Beyond Light comes out later on the year, you can buy that one. It'll be the only Destiny content you need to buy to get caught up. So that's a pretty cool thing. And they also announced that the game is getting an Xbox Series X version, um, which will be going to Game Pass and everything as well, which will run at 4K, 60 FPS, and all of that. So the big thing here was like, wow, that's a little weird seeing Destiny with Xbox because we already know Bungie has kind of a bad past with Xbox from their time being owned by them and with the Halo franchise and not being, you know, super happy with the old Xbox administration and everything. And they even announced, they even said at the trailer, like we have a good history with these guys and we're excited to announce blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Ooh, that's a little weird saying that because even though we used to associate uh, Bungie so much with Xbox, we associate destiny with PlayStation because PlayStation was really aggressive from the early destiny days with Activision and Bungie with getting destiny marketing on PlayStation and getting exclusive content on PlayStation and timed exclusive content on PlayStation. And it's just really weird now that Destiny is no longer Activision, Activision affiliated. And now that's, you know, Bungie's pretty, pretty much fully independent to do whatever the fuck they want with Destiny. It's so weird seeing them kind of buddy up with Xbox for this announcement because I'm like, that's fucking weird. This franchise is so PlayStation oriented and this developer has such a kind of mixed past with xbox so it's just a really weird announcement to see but actually pretty like warm and exciting announcement to see who knows if maybe this will be you know the start of destiny now starting to have a marketing deal with xbox and exclusive content or timed stuff with xbox or maybe bungie doesn't want anything of like with to do with any of that and they want to be fair to all who, who knows but i just thought that was a really interesting thing to see you know bungie of all developers and destiny of all games being marketed and associated with the Xbox platform. So that was really weird, uh, but also a nice delight. 
And of course, keep in mind that that Destiny 2 uh, Xbox Series X port will also, you know, PlayStation 5 will also be getting something like that as well. Um, But, you know, it it had the marketing cachet and push here on Xbox's uh, virtual stage, so to speak. So that's that's not nothing. And then from here, they went into like a third party console timed exclusive or console exclusive kind of little foray where they showed some smaller games um, that are coming to the Xbox Series X, either for a limited time or... Or permanently so they, they the first one they showed and this is probably the biggest was stalker 2 they showed a teaser trailer for it and kind of re-announced it stalker is this like survival horror first person shooter game that is from a long time ago was on pc and then had a sequel that was like constantly like teased and then canceled so many times over the past like decade plus and then earlier this year there were some murmurings that was coming back and then here we are with like official confirmation teaser trailer and all it's coming back and at least for the time being it's going to be exclusive to pc and xbox so that's really weird because the first one was a pc game so the second one's like kind of now in bed with xbox in particular um so that's actually a big win the trailer looked really good it was another cinematic trailer so we we didn't really see the gameplay or anything unfortunately but tonally the game looks pretty cool and that's a nice little third party exclusive to have locked on xbox again the whole point, of, I, I'm trying to look at this presentation through the lens of like, you're trying to sell a new console and give give people a reason to buy your console over the competition. What do you have to show? And that's why I keep coming back to this point of like, oh, well, console exclusive, Xbox owned, only on Xbox, that kind of thing. But yeah, Stalker 2 was teased. I know a lot of people were excited about that. A lot of other people were probably confused as to what it was. Um, but that I thought that was a pretty solid get for like a double A kind of smaller game to have on your platform. The next game they showed was from Fat developer Fat Shark. It was Warhammer, the Warhammer team. Uh, but Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, which is coming out sometime in 2021. This is basically the Warhammer Vermintide series, like that kind of four-player co-op Left 4 Dead style looking game, but in like a different a different Warhammer setting, where it's like kind of like more modern and like regular guns and shooty stuff rather than like um, medieval fairy tale like spells and and swords shit like Vermintide. I'll be honest with you. I still don't really understand what the fuck Warhammer is. It's something I've never deeply looked into. I understand that it's a tabletop game. It's a very long running popular one, but there are so many divisions of Warhammer where it's like you've got like knights and elves and they've got like mech armor and then you've got like army men. It's like this weird clash of so many types of like fictions and fantasy and, and war and, and military stuff and just all clashes into one thing. I just don't understand what the fuck it is. And I know there's been like a million Warhammer games throughout history, but I see this. I'm just like, uh, okay, <laughs> another Warhammer game. This is also either timed exclusive or, or console exclusive with Xbox, like everything of this show was. So this was, this was pretty... I, I don't know. This was like, to me, at first I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And then I saw Warhammer. I'm like, ah, that's not going to be a big thing. You know, like Warhammer games come out all the time. That's not going to like move the needle, but it'll be a nice little added double A experience into Game Pass uh, for people to check out. I know I'm interested in playing it at least, so I'll probably give it a try when it, when it comes out next year. But it wasn't like a massive uh, announcement, as most things in the show seem to not have been. Next, they showed the console launch exclusive for Tetris Effect Connected, which is like it just got way too much screen time. This should have been like a blurb. But yeah, they, I mean, Tetris Effect is coming to Xbox. Uh, the connect connected, I guess this is a new version of Tetris effect because Tetris effect has been out for a while now, but this new version of it will be exclusive to Xbox one and PC, at least for a while. This is most definitely coming to other platforms soon, but that's, that's kind of a weird one because we never really see arcade games, especially ones like Tetris 
kind of be associated with the Xbox brand. Uh, the most we ever see from stuff like that is like Peggle or something. I don't know. But yeah, that's the, they showed Tetris Effect, another small one. Then they showed the gunk which is from the SteamWorld developers. And this game did absolutely nothing for me. It looks kind of like some like action platformer thing with this girl who like, it's like it's like 20% Splatoon, 50% A Hat in Time, 30% uh, uh, indie game. I don't know. It just, it didn't really move the needle for me. It didn't really look all that interesting. But one thing I will say is the art, the art style was kind of, was kind of neat. And it definitely added a little bit of variety to a, a presentation that had a lot of like gritty and grim kind of more serious looking games. I thought this offered a much needed kind of levity of like something more whimsical or cartoonish or fun. So it was a, it was a nice pace breaker uh, or it was a nice change of pace, I should say. But then the next game they showed was the medium, which we first got a, a look at back at the May showing for the third party presentation. So this is the Bluebird team developed the medium, the, the uh, like psychological horror game. Um, and what was really cool is that, well, this time we actually saw gameplay. So, Good trailer showing gameplay. The game looks pretty interesting. I don't think it looks exactly like what the what that trailer initially showed, but it looks pretty good to me. And what's really interesting is this kind of showed an example of the power of the Xbox Series X, unlike most other games we saw, where it showed like how the game will have like two like dual realities and like it will be able to render both worlds in real time. So the screen can be split and you can have your character and control your character and you'll see your two copies of your character one on each side of the screen and each side represents a different reality and you're kind of controlling both sides at the same time and they can the game can render all of that shit at the same time and that's that's one of those like oh thanks to the power of the Xbox Series X you can really pull this off um, but that was I thought that was really impressive seeing those two different worlds and realms kind of rendered simultaneously on screen running at the same time with the same visual fidelity and everything so I thought it looked really cool. The medium continues to be one of those games where I think a lot of people are just like, hey, that's that's a, that's a notable one. And it's really cool that it's an Xbox exclusive, or at least for the time being. Gosh, I'm, I'm optimistic to see more of what's, uh, what's going on with that game. As we get closer to its launch, which they didn't really say anything about, and then next they showed a Fantasy Star Online 2 update. There's there's going to be a new expansion coming next year called New Genesis. This is this is good just for the fact that it continues to drive home this new relationship with Sega and Xbox. Uh, and Phil Spencer himself has said Xbox has a long way to go with Japanese developers. But we really have to uh, build the trust and respect of that of that of that country of those developers uh, to get Xbox. You know in with that country and with that player base and to get those developers making stuff on our consoles. And we've seen Xbox have kind of like a okay relationship with Square Enix over the years, but in, in recent years or recent year, I should say, we've really seen Xbox and Sega kind of hit it off, which warms my heart so much as a massive Sonic the Hedgehog fan and just a massive Sega fan in general. Obviously the Sega of 2020 is not the Sega of the 1990s, but I will I will say it's it's just nice to see those two brands play well together uh, or have a good relationship together, I should say. Because, I mean, actually, there's a lot of... I won't get into it now because this is not the episode for it. This is already going to be a massively long episode. But Sega and Microsoft just have a really important history together. Especially, like, Sega plays actually a pretty notable role in the development of the Xbox. And Microsoft plays kind of a notable role in the development of the Sega Dreamcast. So there's always that history and that kind of... I, I always kind of said that when the Dreamcast fell, the Xbox was, in a way, the spiritual Western successor to Sega's home console market. So if anything, like I, I always looked at it like the Xbox is like 
if you were a Sega kid and PlayStation killed your beloved Sega game console, you moved on to Xbox. Because, and I know most people didn't. Most people moved on to PlayStation and Nintendo, but uh, which is funny because it's kind of like giving it to the enemy. Um, but but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just there's always this kind of historical interest for me because I, I love Sega and I love Xbox, obviously, and the two kind of have shared history. And under Phil Spencer's administration, if you will, um, he's kind of rekindled that relationship and and really started working with Sega a lot again. I, I love that we're seeing that with like the Yakuza games starting to come over and Fantasy Star Online two having its kind of Western console exclusivity on Xbox and this new Genesis update or expansion kind of just further cements that and you know it's a start we're we have a long ways to go before japan and xbox really become a thing together but hopefully under phil spencer's reign this is something that we can see one day totally come to fruition and, and become a reality which i really hope to see i i thought fantasy star online 2 was really good the little bit of it i got to play but i just quickly realized it's like i just don't have time for another you know dedicated online game i just i i'm already torn between like halo and destiny and then all the regular games i want to play i can't i can't commit to another one but the trailer looks good the the expansion looks good i know there aren't many fantasy star online fans in the xbox community which is a shame because that's where that's where the game's available but hopefully if you are a fan of this you are looking forward to this new content um and hopefully this is just more more goodwill between sega and microsoft especially so that we can get more of those yakuza games over on the xbox if you know what i'm saying but yeah then after that we got remedy and smile gates um first showing of of their crossfire x campaign which was announced again back at xo19 we we learned that remedy will be doing the campaign for crossfire x which is that popular free-to-play korean fps game um you can play the multiplayer now on xbox you can download it anytime but the the campaign is going to be launched and sold separately as its own thing as its own like separate component and it looks really good they showed like a, a story trailer it had a lot of gameplay in it it looks kind of call of duty s but also like more interesting in terms of story i thought it was a pretty solid trailer and this is one that like again it, it is one of those like kind of double a not many people are going to care about too much it'll probably make good money but it's not going to move the needle and like getting people to buy an xbox but for me at least personally i thought the gameplay looked really good the story looked good uh i love remedy and i think crossfire x looks kind of just mildly interesting so i'm definitely going to give this game a try and the most exciting news about all of it was it's a 2020 launch so i guess this will be the thing we're playing supplemental to halo later this fall but yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see some more of that actually and then after that matt booty kind of rounded out and he's like hey this is the end of the show i'm matt booty this is xbox controllers uh, have off access analog sticks and when girls kiss me i get happy in my face and then he's like oh wait but one more thing he literally did the classic apple one more thing uh i was getting ready to like throw a rock at the tv like what the fuck that's it but yeah, then he he pulled the one more thing, and I was, and I was thinking like simultaneously in my brain, I'm like the initiative. Where are these fuckers? Where are these fuckers? And then they showed the tease for Fable. We got Playground Games, the Forza Horizon guys. They showed Fable. We're getting Fable. Don't worry, guys. It's real. It's happening. It's coming to Xbox. I actually count this as a miss. I'm I'm really sorry to be negative. Uh, overall, I was pretty I was pretty pumped today just because we saw Halo Infinite. But I count this as a miss, and here and here's why: because Playground Fable reboot is something that's been teased for like three years now. Everyone in the world, especially in the Xbox community, knows or and has known forever that Playground Games is working on a Fable reboot. 
and then we finally see it, and rather than showing us, like, I mean, this is one of those things, because of how poorly the secret's been kept, because of how long the cat's been out of the bag, there's only one way you could have possibly shown this game. There's literally just one option. It's the same way you showed Halo Infinite. You have to just be like, one more thing. Show the Turn 10 logo, and then just do a gameplay demo of Fable. Just fucking do it. Show us gameplay. I don't want to see a cinematic. I don't want to see a splash screen. I don't want to see a title. Just go into a gameplay demo. And they fucked it up. They showed us. They showed a little tonal piece, a little teaser trailer, and the Fable logo. And a lot of people seem to be really happy with this. And I'm really happy that people were excited about this. But to me, that's not enough because we saw it. And I was just like, hey, yeah, everyone knows Playgrounds making Fable. All this does is confirm something that we've known forever that you guys just keep pretending isn't a thing. So again, I don't, you know, I don't mean to be negative just for the sake of being negative. I know a lot of really hard work went into the show, and I don't mean to negate that. You know, I think Xbox did a great job overall with the show. You know, they did more than I could have ever done with the show. But if I'm being dead honest with you, yeah, I mean, I think this was a pretty weak outro because one, it's like. I was so sure that we were going to see the initiative. It's like, you can't be talking about this brand new console that you're launching and then only have one big game to show. And Halo's really all they have. Everything else is like, oh, the initiative, they're nowhere to be found in Playground. They are making that Fable game, but we've got nothing to say about it. So you can assume it's years away from being launched. All of our other teams, they're too busy finishing up their contracts with other developer, with other publishers to make these multi-platform games that people are just going to play on PlayStation anyway. It's like, guys... You need to have a steady slew of console-exclusive first-party games. Not third-party exclusives, not small indie game exclusives, not multi-platform first-party-owned studio games that are going to be on PlayStation. First-party launch window games on Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PC, nowhere else. This is why you need to be on the Xbox platform. This is why you need Game Pass. This is why at the very least you got to be having an Xbox One or a Lockhart or a PC with gaming capabilities because you're not going to get this shit on Switch. You're not going to get this shit on PlayStation. Xbox is where it's at if you want a home console gaming experience. And they, they dropped the ball on that. And they didn't drop the ball on that in the sense that they won't have the games because they will. But this is the frustrating thing we've been dealing with Xbox for years now, where it's like, we know you're going to have the games. We're waiting for the moment where you do have the games, not where we're continuing to wait. And with this, it was another one of those like, oh my God, we've been seeing teases for Playgrounds Fable game for three years, and you don't even have a, a gameplay demo. And and on the one hand, it's kind of unfair to, to have that attitude because it's like, well, hey... You know, if, if if we lived in a perfect world where Microsoft didn't have that news slip out and leak early, right? If they had the opportunity to completely control the message, no one would have known about this Fable game until today. And that would have come as a big, a big surprise and everybody would have been happy. But the thing is, this isn't like, oh, this leaked three months ago and now you're just confirming it. This is like, this, this leaked three years ago. This leaked when I was still in college, living in Atlanta, waiting to move to Florida and start my Xbox podcast and my boxers. This 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 leaked when this happened back when the McRib was just coming back for the first time. We knew about this shit so long ago. This isn't don't don't act like confirming a, a rumor that's been a thing for like 36 months or something is going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll just do a little splash screen teaser and then everyone will be good. It's like, no, no guys, you you had to show something here. And the fact that it's like, well, yeah, you you technically showed what Playground was up to, but you didn't you didn't give us any gameplay of it, and it's something we knew about for years. 
And then on top of that, you didn't show us an update on the initiative. And then remember, there are other Xbox game studios that are owned that didn't have any presence here at all, which is fine. You don't need to have every studio every time. I get that. But like, but then on top of that, it's like, dude, where's Compulsion? You guys bought, you, you bought Compulsion years ago and they made We Happy Few and they, they're, they're a studio that still really hasn't proven themselves and we just kind of have no idea where they're at. They haven't shown anything. They haven't, we've never seen them get any screen time. You know, we've seen, we've seen Ninja Theory and Obsidian and, and Double Fine get a lot of love, you know, and, and more to that point, like in Exile is releasing a game next month. You know, they're a new studio. They're releasing a game next month, but you understood that Wasteland 3 wasn't a game that needed to be at the show. So you didn't bother us with that. You didn't bother showing some like Microsoft Flight Simulator or Age of Empires stuff because you knew that didn't need to be here. But like, where's Compulsion? We still haven't seen really anything from those guys since you bought them. And then Playground's over here telling us about like just basically confirming Fable with like the teasiest teaser trailer that shows absolutely nothing. The initiative's nowhere to be found. And at the end of the day, really the only thing people are going to have on day one with the Xbox Series X is like Halo Infinite and then a bunch of like updates. And you know, personally, like if I'm looking at this from a personal standpoint, I don't care. I'm happy. You can give me just Halo Infinite and I'll be happy for a year. I don't give a fuck. Like I, me as an individual, I'm totally okay with that. I'm more than happy to put money down day one, buy an Xbox Series X, play Halo Infinite and you, and you won't hear from me forever. I'm super fucking happy. But if I'm looking at this, like, you know, it's my job here to talk about the news and be critical and, and talk about Xbox as a brand. And if we're talking about the whole platform, Dude, they dropped the ball. <laughs> they have they have one big game this fall, and everything else is like a just wait a little longer. It's coming. And I understand this is this is a really hard narrative to string. This is a really hard orchestra to kind of conduct, you know, where you have all these teams, and a lot of them are relatively new uh, to your family, so they're still working out deals with previous previous agreements with different publishers, and a lot of them are still, you know, moving from smaller teams to bigger teams now that they have funding from Xbox and there's a you know there's so many teams that are in so many different places right now and so many different stages that it's, it's hard to conduct this whole thing into a, a, a situation of like hey I need all of my guys to have a really big AAA game ready for holiday 2020 I understand that's a heinous ask and it's unrealistic I get that but man you needed to have more than just one game and when you really look at it it's like they had Halo and that was it and I'm not trying to say these other games don't look great like I'm excited about Fable I'm excited to see what that game is whenever the hell we actually see it. I think I think the Crossfire X campaign looks good. Uh, I'm not going to play Fantasy Star Online 2 because I don't have time for it, but I, I think it looks good. I think, you know, uh, go through the list. I think, you know, I love Destiny. Of course, I'll play more Destiny on my Series X. The Medium looks like a good horror game. I'm going to play Psychonauts 2. I'm excited to go back and play the first Psychonauts. I'm going to play Hellblade 2 whenever the hell it comes out. I'm going to play whatever that new Obsidian game is whenever it comes out. I'm going to play Grounded next week when it comes out. I'm going to play Ori and the Will of the Wisps at some point in the world. In this world, I can't wait to find out what the fuck Everwild is. But I'm gonna—I don't—I we don't know anything about it because you keep teasing it, and not showing it. But I'm going to play it whenever it comes out. I'm going to play the new Forza whenever it comes out. I'm going to give State of Decay three a new a try when it comes out. But again, it's like the question with all of those attached is like when it comes out when we see it. The only thing we have a definite answer of right now is Halo. We just know it's Xbox Series X and Halo are coming out presumably this November, and then everything else is like, uh, uh, we'll see when we see it. And for me, again, for me, that's totally fine. And I know for a lot of people, that's totally fine. And I'm so excited for all of us as Xbox gamers because the Series X looks like a great piece of hardware. And Halo Infinite looks like a phenomenal game. But you, you're you not gonna you're not gonna win the battle, so to speak, or 
get people to buy your console over PlayStation's console. If all you have is just Halo and the Xbox, you know, Halo and the Xbox wasn't enough to get people over this generation, you know, in 2015 when Halo 5 was coming out. I was in my room drinking Mountain Dew, shitting my pants over Halo 5 on October 27th, 2015 when Halo 5 came out. I know the date. I know where I was. I remember everything about it. I remember drinking that Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, Blue Mountain Dew, watching my brother play Warzone for the first time while my Xbox still finished downloading the day, day one patch and being like, oh my God, Xbox One's amazing. Halo 5's amazing. I'm the happiest person in the world right now. But I'm not a representation of how everyone in this community feels. And I know that, you know, if I'm super happy but still able to see what a letdown some of this was, that means, you know, the people that aren't like me and aren't like diehard Halo fans are probably really bummed out right now. And that that sucks. And and this is just kind of a sh- shitty situation because I don't mean to be so sour on the whole the whole situation because overall I think these games look pretty great and I'm really happy with the teams Xbox owns and I'm really happy with what we're expecting from these teams and I think the show was really well produced really well paced really professional looking I think if if we just got more gameplay trailers and more imminent release dates this would have been an incredible showing. And, and I will say, Xbox almost always has a great showing. I didn't think their May showing was as bad as everyone else thought. Almost every E3 they've ever been at, they always have such a great showing. It always blows my mind when people are just like, yeah, PlayStation 1 E3. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? Xbox always has like excellent pacing, games, games, games. For the past like three or four years, Xbox's E3 presence has always been phenomenal. And I, I'm just going to be really honest. I thought this particular showing was just a little lackluster, a little disappointing. I don't think it was awful. And I know I recognize, you know, these teams are putting so much hard work into these games and I'm grateful for that. And I understand I don't have the ability to do like a fraction of what most of these people do. And I understand that putting the show together was a lot of hard work. And I recognize it was a pretty good, well-paced, well-put-together presentation. But I just think at the end of the day, there's a brand new, most powerful console ever made coming out this November. And the only thing you have, and it's a big thing, is Halo. But you need more than just Halo. So that was kind of the whole event wrapped up. I'm sorry if you felt like I was being a little too down on it. I don't think I was, but I'm, I'm just trying to be honest and fair about it. I, I love Xbox. I'm proud all day to admit, you know, if you can insult me all you want and say you're an Xbox fanboy on any other episode and I'll take it because I think you're right. But this is me just trying to be brutally honest about what happened today. And, you know, that's that's more than anything. That's just my heart going out to the people at Xbox who are putting all this hard work into these games and this platform that is going to get crushed by the PlayStation 5 and me in my heart going out to all the fans who are rooting hard for Xbox and who have been rooting hard for Xbox who are, again, about to have another Xbox One generation where we sit back going, why can't you guys appreciate this amazing console? It's so good. And the rest of the world's like, ah, fuck you. We're going to play Soulsborne, a new PlayStation game where you play as Nathan Drake and you have to reborn all your souls as Norman Reedus. And everyone's going to be like, that's an amazing game. Fuck Xbox. And I'm going to be here just like, whatever. I'm going to enjoy Halo Infinite in my corner. But again, this is is Xbox setting themselves up for another one of those. But I also understand they can't entirely control it because... You know, it, you, it's it's like damned if I do, damned if I don't, right? Because Phil Spencer and the team at Xbox would surely suck if they were going over to Playground saying, hey, I know you're not happy with the build of Fable and you're still, you're still years away from having this game ready, but fuck it, we need a gameplay trailer, make it happen. Or going over to Obsidian and being like, yeah, we know Avowed is super early in development, but just make it happen. We need a gameplay trailer. I, I respect them for having their restraint to be like, Hey, we got games coming, but we're going to show them when we're ready. We're not going to force the games out the gate because we have a new console. That's not fair. 
But it's also just like, man, if you have a new console coming out, you need to have games to support it. So it's like, what needs to happen here? Do you need to do you need to delay the Xbox Series X? Should maybe that just not come out this year? Maybe the combination of like you not having the games ready, COVID turning the world upside down, all this stuff, does that just mean we don't need the Series X this year? And and no, I don't think that's really the answer, but like I it somewhat invites the question to be asked, I think. But yeah, that's I don't know. That's my overall take on the show. Pretty solid, honestly. As, as negative as it sounds like I've been, I'd honestly rate it like if I, people always feel the need to rate these like it's an IGN game or some shit like that. But like, I don't know, I'd give it like a 7, 7.5 out of 10. I thought it was solid. It was like pretty okay. Halo Halo Infinite just carried it all the way. It was that first eight minutes seeing Halo Infinite. I was crying. I was yelling. My girlfriend was telling me she's going to break up with me and, and, and take the cat that we don't have. But man, it was just a really awesome eight minutes. And then a, a lot of like, ah, I'm rooting for you, but you're just not quite getting it kind of rest of the show. With that said, Lethal Migraine, I, I didn't solicit questions for this episode because I I was going to just watch the event and then immediately start recording after taking some notes. But Lethal Migraine actually commented, sent me a comment. So I figured, ah, fuck it. Perfect timing. I'll just throw this in here right before I hit record. He says, uh, that stream was horrible. I was thoroughly bored and dozed off towards the end. Sony's stream was a complete fail and I gave it a mess... I gave that mess a 3 out of 10, but this was barely better. Unlike the May stream, there is almost nothing I want to play from this stream. I'm extremely disappointed. The only upside of this stream is that all the games are going to be in Game Pass, so I don't want to pay for them. I give this event a 4 out of 10 and wonder what the hell Phil is thinking. Phil is in charge of hardware. Clearly his idea clearly his idea of what the Xbox should uh, do is solid. But when it comes to games, this will most definitely not stop the fact that Xbox has no games narrative. Someone with vision and an understanding of games wants and needs and should be in charge of this content. I'm so frustrated. So Lethal Migraine, I'm, I'm sorry if this was like a kind of like a heated, I'm going to send this out and then maybe mull it over later, like in, in, in regret saying it or something. But like, I, I don't mean to misrepresent you. I, I just put this in because you you wrote the comment. So I hope you are okay with me reading it on here. I assume you are since you published the comment, but I politely disagree with you. I I mean, I, I know a lot of what you said kind of falls in line with what I was saying up there a little bit. The whole part about Phil, I, I, I strongly disagree with. I think Phil is definitely the right man for the job. I th Again, I think it's kind of what I was just saying where Xbox is in a tough state of like, they bought a bunch of studios a few years ago. A lot of those studios are tied up with pre- pre-agreements with other developers, other publishers to get certain things out the gate before they can really fully invest into being an Xbox first party family owned studio. And that on top of the fact that, you know, just all these projects are in different timelines and COVID's fucking updates and things like that. It's like, it just makes it hard for them to have all their ducks in a row and show everything like this perfect cacophony of just like game, 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 gameplay, 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 imminent release date, imminent release date, imminent release date. So I, you got to cut him some slack. I definitely disagree that Phil is the wrong, the wrong guy for the job. I think Phil is absolutely the right guy for the job. I love Phil. I, I pray to him nightly. I, I don't, I, I've been, I've been hearing or seeing lately some like conspiracy theory type shit about like Phil possibly just like being like a like a hey drink this Kool-Aid kind of guy where he's always saying the right things but not doing the right things and I just politely disagree with that. I think I think he just seems too transparent of a guy and too and too just too honest and genuine of a guy for him to not be like like if Phil Spencer turned out to be like a me too guy, you know, 
if Phil Spencer got me too'd, I think I would kill myself. Like, quite honestly, he just like, if there are so few people in this world, I will vouch for like people who I will never know. You know, Phil Spencer is a very successful, well off, important man, very famous man, man. I will never, ever know. I will never have the honor or the privilege of sitting down with, of talking with or knowing, you know, he's, he is someone whose phone number I will never have in my phone. We'll put it that way. Right. And I'm still so confident in vouching for him and saying he is such a genuine and honest man. And he says what he means and listen to him. On, listen to him when he goes on a podcast, he goes on podcasts all the time and he just talks. He just, he's super straightforward and honest. And he says like, he, he just says things that like the leader of the Xbox gaming division shouldn't say because he's just too transparent about like how he feels about the games industry. Not, not from the perspective of the Xbox guy, but like from the perspective of someone who works in the industry you know, from the perspective of someone who plays games, I think Phil is like undoubtedly the perfect candidate for the job. And I, and I will stand by him a hundred percent that what he says is sincere and honest and transparent. And if Phil Spencer is lying to us, then like, I will, I don't know. Like if Phil Spencer, we, if we ever found out he was anything less than exactly who he presents himself as, I I just want to fucking give up because I, I, that's like one, that's one jug of Kool-Aid I'm willing to chug, so to, so to speak. But in regards to the rest of your thing, I mean, that's entirely subjective. You know, how you feel about that is how you feel. I, I agree that it was a little bit of a disappointment. I was pretty confident. It wasn't that I was like riding the hype train, but I was, I was just pretty confident that Xbox was going to have a solid like 9 out of 10 conference just based on their track record for how their E3 showings normally go. Not even because I was just super hyped about Halo, just because I know Xbox usually does a great show. And if history means anything, then I was just going to assume that Xbox was going to at least have a really solid showing. And I agree with you that I was disappointed. I don't think it was like 4 out of 10 bad. And I don't think Sony's presentation was like three out of 10 bad. I think both of them did pretty well. I think Xbox's presentation was more interesting to me and had more games I was interested in and I was more excited about it. But I think PlayStation's presentation was a more effective presentation for what it had to do. I, th- You know, even though when it came to the PlayStation pre- presentation, I cared about Spider-Man Miles Morales and Ratchet and & Clank and everything else could go suck a dick. But with the Xbox presentation, I cared about like 50% or more of the games, but still thought that what PlayStation did in their show is more effective for the messaging and the marketing of the PlayStation five than what Xbox did for their show being effective for the marketing and the, in the, the brand of the Xbox series X. Um, that said, I think you make a really important point here though. You, cause you say the only upside is that they're all going to be on game pass. So I don't have to pay for it. That's, that's the biggest upside that I didn't even mention here is that, Every single game that was shown today is all in Game Pass. So whether you're mildly interested in it or you're shit your pants excited for it, you know, everything from everything from like Tell Me Why to Halo Infinite, like you get all that shit with Game Pass. And that's a massive win. Think about like if you're if you're a PlayStation fan and you're excited for like seven or eight games that were shown that were shown during the PlayStation conference, then congratulations. You've got like a couple hundred dollars worth of games to be saving up for. But if you're an Xbox fan and you have Game Pass, because why would you not have Game Pass if you're an Xbox fan? Then guess what? If you're looking forward to 50, 60% of the games that were shown today, you have $0 to save up for to spend on this because you have Game Pass regardless of whether or not these games exist. And these games are all going into Game Pass. And that is like an absurd value that literally should be 
at, like catastrophically, horrifically blowing people's minds. Like people should be losing loved ones over their brains exploding over what a good value and deal that is. Like that's like that's actually ob obnoxiously great. And you know, it's a little disappointing when it's like, oh, well, sure, Fable's gonna be in Game Pass when I played in four years, but like, hey, Fable's gonna be in Game Pass. You don't have to buy that. That's an amazing deal. Halo Infinite is going to be a Halo platform to make Halo run and go for the next 10 years or so. And you're not going to pay for it. It's just going to be in Game Pass. Like, that's the fucking value of being on Xbox. And maybe and maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's not about, like, hey, it's all going to be here tomorrow and you should buy a Series X. But maybe it's about, like, hey, if these games look interesting to you at all, you don't have to buy them. You just have to have a Game Pass subscription. You just got to have xCloud or uh, old Xbox One lying around. You can basically play all this on anything. And, like... That's a value that you can't really compete with. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sad. I'm actually sad to hear that you were disappointed, Lethal Migraine. I feel like you know, you, I, from, from the comments you've posted on the show over the months, I've, I, I see you as kind of a pretty fair Xbox fan. There, are, there are things you're, you, you send praise and favoritism where it's due, and you're critical when, it, when you need to be critical. And even though we don't always see eye to eye, which doesn't matter, I, I respect that about you. You're, you're pretty, you know, honest and you're pretty honest about when things are good and when things are bad. But this is one where I, I definitely severely disagree with you. I don't think it was quite that bad. Um, and I think even you point out really the true intrinsic value of what was shown today, and it's that. Game Pass is the greatest value since uh, since pissing in your own mouth so that you don't have to spend money on uh, Mountain Dew. Uh, but yeah, I, so I'm sorry to hear that you were disappointed, and I wish more people. <laughs> I, I wish there was a, a way that more people could have written in written in before I recorded so that we could have gotten varying opinions. But hopefully you'll write in and give me some thoughts to all of you uh, what you thought about the show, and hopefully we'll get a good mix of of good and bad so that we can get a nice uh, a nice representation of how people felt about the event. So now that we're uh, two, two light years into the show, we're going to have a condensed regular episode of the podcast. Bear with me. God damn, this is going to be a um, an editing and uploading and compressing nightmare tonight. But we got to do it. This is this is an episode that just calls for a big, chunky, long episode. Let's let's do it. We're going to get into the regular show now. So we'll, we'll definitely condense it a little bit. We won't make these segments drag as long as they normally do just for the sake of respecting your time. But yeah, we'll pretend that this is the beginning of the Xbox on podcast for the week of July 23rd. And now we're going to jump into some comments, shout outs, questions, concerns from the audience. Our first one here comes from GZ, who says, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for a good few episodes now. Massive fan of yours from the UK. Would love a shout out in your next episode. Well, hey, uh, GZ or however you say it, I thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm, I'm more than happy to give you a shout out and I greatly appreciate your kind words and, and your support by listening to the show. Yeah, abso absolutely. Welcome aboard. I hope to hear more from you in, in as, as, as we continue on this journey, this, uh, this journey that we call Xbox On. Our next comment comes from another first-time commenter uh, named Tanali Maya. So I don't know if I was like completely brain dead when I read this, but I, let me just read this comment to you guys. I, this is a this is an amazing comment. I just can't wait to read it because I can't wait to hear what you guys, what you guys think about this. But here is here is Tanali's comment. 
Jesse, I know you don't want to hear about our other boyfriends, but just the other day I was watching a forum on of Xbox pundits who all seem to have inside information. I posted an innocuous compliment to that effect when Lethal Migraine cruelly and masterfully put me in my place. He said something akin to, quote, a bunch of frat boys guessing what might happen isn't important, end quote. Stunned, I sat there and didn't even care about my public roasting. It didn't even matter to me that Phil Spencer himself may have read Lethal Migraine's reply to my post, and most likely thought, wow, somebody called a burn unit, while he sipped on his lavaza or whatever of affluent people drink. I don't know, <laughs> what's a lavaza? No, what mattered, what mattered to me was that Lethal Migraine, this larger-than-life person, this myth, this tall tale of a person, responded to me. I fanboyed out immediately. I said, I love your comments on Xbox On Podcast, a podcast hosted by one person about one console, the Xbox One. What did Lethal Migraine do? He ghosted me, just ignored me, not even so much as a like, but it's okay. It's as it should be. He's the Series X to my 1998 compact PC. Have a good one. By the way, tacos, as in real tacos like carnitas, all day, every day. <laughs> so this is my favorite comment. Uh, no disrespect to anyone else who's ever commented, but this is the best comment that's ever happened in this sh in this show's history. I really don't know what to make of this, or honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about for the top half of the comment. But goddamn, thank you for writing in. And lethal migraine. I don't know if you uh, if you're supposed to be offended or or. Or uh, I don't know what that's supposed to be to you, but just what a great comment. <laughs> I just had to read it on the show. I don't even, I don't, I can't even say anything to it. I just had to share that with you all. Next, we got Blaine Turner, another first-time commenter. Welcome, welcome to the show, Blaine. Uh, says, soft tacos, my guy. Nothing like a good soft street taco with steak uh, and cilantro and lime juice. My favorite. So simple and so delicious. Uh, that's a that's a great one. Street tacos, excellent. I know the kids are really into the food trucks these days. That's a nice trend. Kids are really into walking around town, going up to trucks and saying, "Excuse me, do you have any food I can have?" And sometimes they get uh, street tacos or something of the sort. So I agree, soft tacos are delicious, and I just I just really love that all all these episodes later we're still talking about waffles and tacos. So thank thank God for this. Next question or next comment comes Lethal Migraine says, gun to my head, burritos all the way. Tacos take like eight to ten to be filling. And uh, that's actually a really good point. I feel like, you know, burritos, you can have a big burrito and be full or like two small burritos and be good. But tacos, it's like you go to Taco Bell. I don't mean to keep bringing up Taco Bell. I know we're trying to talk about real tacos here, not Taco Bell. But like, for example, Taco Bell has like the family pack that comes with like 10 or 12. It's like you got to eat that whole box by yourself to have a meal. You know, you can't. You're going to eat fucking two tacos out of there and call that dinner or you fucking whatever. But I, I agree. The nice thing about burritos is you can have fewer of them and be satisfied sooner, which makes you feel less awful about yourself. Whereas tacos, at some point, you just got to be like, how many of these things have I eaten? As you're like re also realizing that you're still hungry. So good point there. Keeping with Lethal Migraine, he says, apparently uh, in X... In the Xbox Store, Yakuza releases on November on November 12th or 13th, which would mean that the Series X releases on the 13th of November. Uh, that's a problem for Halo people, in my opinion. Halo can't compete against Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk very well may be the most wanted game in the history of gaming, and Halo would get crushed under the weight of that game, just like Assassin's Creed will be. Seems to me that either the Xbox uh, needs to release the Series X alongside xCloud in September, or use uh, COVID as an excuse to delay the game. Coming out a week before Cyberpunk isn't good for any game at all. Uh, so Lethal Migraine, yes and no. 
So, well, first of all, I don't think the, the release date for Yakuza Like a Dragon necessarily points to the release date of the Series X. Because if you'll remember, a lot of times, and I know this is really common with Nintendo consoles, but like a lot of times, like games will come out sometimes even like a week before a console does, or sometimes like, you know, whatever. So it's very possible that the Yakuza Like a Dragon Series X game comes out like a week before the actual console. Uh, because remember, it is also an Xbox One game. It's a smart delivery game. So it could just come to like, I don't know, fucking Xbox One and, and everything else on the 13th and then on the Series X the next week or it can come to the Series X on the 13th and you can buy it a few days before the console comes out. So that doesn't necessarily mean that's the release date. I'm still the mindset that, that the Series X is coming out the week after the 12th and 13th, but I don't know, it could be the 12th or 13th. You make a good point. I don't I don't really know. I just know it's going to be mid-ish November, mid to late November. As for the other part, I think you're kind of wrong here. Cyberpunk, yes, it's undoubtedly going to be like the biggest game of the year, at least in terms of like the games industry, the game, the gaming sphere. I think Cyberpunk is definitely the biggest game, and I don't think it matters when Halo Infinite comes out. I think, I think people who are here for Cyberpunk are going to buy Cyberpunk regardless of what if Halo comes out a few days before or after or on the same day. I don't think it matters. Cyberpunk is going to draw Cyberpunk fans and Halo is going to draw Halo fans. Would it be beneficial for them to be like sep- spread out a little more? Yeah, but yeah, I, I just I think people who are going to buy Cyberpunk are going to buy Cyberpunk regardless of whether Halo is like a week later, two weeks later or on the same day. And then same thing with Assassin's Creed. I think Assassin's Creed is one of those games where it's like Assassin's Creed fans buy that game every time a new one comes out, regardless, you know, it's not, it's like Assassin's Creed fans are just going to buy that, kind of like how Madden fans are going to buy Madden, Call of Duty fans are going to buy Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed are going to buy, Assassin's Creed fans are going to buy that game, and it's going to continue to do well, so I'm, I'm pretty confident about that, and sometimes you see, you know, those, those rare release occasions where it's like multiple big games come out at once, and they all benefit, they all do well, like we saw, and, and this is a worse example because obviously Animal Crossing and Doom are extremely different games, but we saw where both of those games came out like the same day and both of them did incredibly well in their own respective ways. Obviously, Cyberpunk and Assassin's Creed and Halo kind of cross-pollinate the same player base a little more than like Animal Crossing and, and Doom, but I still think those are all three games that stand well enough on their own that they kind of have their own audiences. Like, for example, I will, I, I'm not going to play Assassin's Creed. You can you can put a gun to my head and I'll just let you shoot me. I'm just not going to play Assassin's Creed, but I plan on playing Cyberpunk and Halo, and I will say this, like, the release of one's not going to stop me from buying the other. I'm going to get both of those games. Now, if, if, it, if it's the same time, I'm going to play Halo first, but I'm still going to play both of those games. I'm still going to play pay 60 bucks for Cyberpunk and play Halo on day 1 regardless of, you know, I don't know. I just I just think those are those are games that are established enough and that have enough that have enough cash that like they can kind of compete with each other enough, but you're right. I, I think of of the three, yeah, Cyberpunk has the most to win. The other two have the most to lose for sure. Next comment comes from Omarketer Gaming. Remember, this is our this is our resident Xbox employee that listens to the show. So as far as I know, this is the only Xbox employee that listens to the show. So I, I guess the only reason I'm, I'm mentioning that is to say that I'm sorry if you feel like I was roasting all your hard work earlier by telling you how I felt about the showing today. Uh, I appreciate all the hard work that went into the event. Please. Please do not tell Phil Spencer I'm a bit of bad boy because someday I'd like to have him on my podcast. 
Can you imagine me saying the shit I say with Phil Spencer on the other end actually listening? It's just me like calling Phil Spencer like a dirty daddy or something absurd like that. I'd probably be banned from this console forever and have to go buy a PS5. But Marketer Gaming says, I have been slammed with work lately, as you can imagine, days away from the game's launch on the 23rd. Oops. I'm catching up on your podcast, and I didn't even realize that on episode 57, I listened to you talk about waffles for half an hour. Well, I would... I'd call that a really good use of 30 minutes. So I, I appreciate you listening to that. And he says, anyways, I've never mentioned the grudge I have for you for dissing kingdom hearts. That's a new low. It's on game pass now. So please educate yourself, brother. Lol. The game is a masterpiece. Don't cancel me. So first of all, I'm not going to cancel you because it's already pathetic enough that you love kingdom hearts. No, but all, all, all joking aside, uh, kingdom hearts. First of all, if, if I may defend myself a little bit, Kingdom Hearts is a series I like to think I'm actually pretty familiar with. Let, let me, quick explanation. When Kingdom Hearts 1 came out when I was a youngling, I actually had an affinity for that game. I actually liked it because I thought it was cool. And the marketing worked on me the same way it works on every little kid where I'm like, oh, Kingdom Hearts plus Disney. I love Disney and I love Kingdom Hearts. Oh, this is fun. And my brother played it. My brother was very into Kingdom Hearts and he still is. And I remember watching him play and then I tried to play and I got all the way to the very end of the game and gave up on the last boss. But I, I played 99% of the game. So, I mean, I've, I've played Kingdom Hearts 1. And I remember I liked it as a kid. And then when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out, I watched my brother play it, but I didn't play it myself. And then the DS one came out and then the 479 other games that came out on PSP, PS Vita, DS, and uh, Game Boy Advance, fucking Engage. What else did it come out on? Like literally everything with a fucking display and microprocessor. But anyway, so then then Kingdom Hearts went on its fucking tirade doing all that shit. And by the time the third one came out, by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I was very much one of those like, oh my God, Kingdom Hearts is one of the cringiest, weirdest fucking things in the world. But at the time I was working for a Disney website, a Disney news website. And my job at that website was to cover... Disney related video game news. So it was like video games and Disney combined. So obviously not too much news because Disney's not too invested in gaming. But uh, when Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I was tasked with buying, playing, reviewing that game. I did a 30 minute review for that game, or I did like an hour long review for that game. But I played, I played Kingdom Hearts from start. I played Kingdom Hearts 3 the same way I played Kingdom Hearts 1, where I played from start to the last boss and then gave up because the game did an obnoxious bullshit difficulty curve, difficulty spike for no goddamn reason. And at one point I said, hmm, the difference between me beating this boss and me just giving up now is almost negligible because if I beat this boss, all I'm going to get is the ending cutscene. And King Kingdom Hearts is such an incomprehensible story anyway that seeing the last cutscene isn't going to give me any more clarity or context for this fucking game. So to prove myself right, because I knew I was right, I went on YouTube and I just watched the last cutscene because I didn't beat the boss. And guess what? I was right. I still didn't understand a fucking thing that happened in the game because the game is pretty much just a massive Disney Final Fantasy orgy full of just incomprehensible weebs bullshit. And uh, yeah, then I did my review for the game. Now, I will say, if you like Kingdom Hearts, I greatly respect that. Listen, I'm the guy who gets on this podcast and defends 2008's Sonic Unleashed. I have, I'm in no position to tell you what games are good and what games are bad. I make fun of Final Fantasy, or I make fun of Kingdom Hearts because I have fun making fun of Kingdom Hearts. If anyone in this audience likes Kingdom Hearts, more power to you. I greatly respect that your love for that game and that franchise, and you have every right to like what you like. That's that's totally subjective. It's none of my business to make fun of you, but I am going to playfully poke at you on the show because that's how we have fun here. So Kingdom Hearts is for weebs and 
a marketer, as much as I greatly appreciate you listening to the show and commenting and the work you do for Xbox, our beloved gaming brand, I'm going to continue to make fun of you for playing Kingdom Hearts, and that's because I think I have enough experience with the franchise to say it's fucking weird as shit. Also, as you know, I'm a massive Disney fan, so as a Disney fan and as a gamer and as someone who's played two Kingdom Hearts games, let me tell you, Kingdom Hearts is fucking weird. But again, I, I like Sonic the Hedgehog, so what the fuck do I know? Next comment, uh, Lethal Migraine, always popping in here, always trying to get as many comments as he can because he wants he wants you to all know that he's the OG commenter, even though he's not, because we all know that Dead Captain James is the OG commenter. But Lethal Migraine comes in again. He says, I agree with you on Assassin's Creed. I don't enjoy them at all. However, when the Ultimate version goes on sale for 20 bucks, I'm going to buy it because I love history and I want to like Assassin's Creed games. They're just so tedious. And I, the only reason I put that comment in there is because I actually really relate to that because I wanted to play Assassin's Creed 3 when it came out in 2012 because I love history and I, I'm really fascinated by like the American Revolution and I wanted to like play a game about that. But before I bought it, I realized everyone said, wow, this is the first Assassin's Creed that sucks ass. So I was like, I guess I'm not going to play it. And I never played it. That's my little anecdote about Assassin's Creed. And then Sarugi comes in, says, keeping with Assassin's Creed, he says, AC Unity was the French setting Assassin's Creed game you were trying to think of. I must admit, I am a massive Ubisoft fan of Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, and Far Cry. They were always my jam. But when Ubisoft was trying... But with Ubisoft trying to make the next thing just feel like every other game in the stable, I'm looking at you, tier loot, uh, I'm suffering major Ubi fatigue. I absolutely loved their older Assassin's Creed games. Black Flag, for mine, uh, is the best in the series. But the actual story to me went off the rails after Assassin's Creed 3. Watch Dogs 2 was, was great despite my fatigue. I'm super keen for Legion, but, I'm still, but it still probably won't be a day one purchase for me with Cyberpunk just around the corner. And that's a good point. It's like, how does Ubisoft expect to sell these games when cyberpunk looks just so much better and so much fresher than just another assassin's creed just another watchdogs but i understand watchdogs looks a little more unique but yeah but it still probably won't uh be a day one purchase for me you already said that by the by who are you david by the by giancarlo esposito uh was was also in the mandalorian as moff uh, gideon uh, some fucking star wars thing and he was in community as pierce's brother that's how i would know him i love community is the greatest tv show of all time if you've never watched community do yourself a favor and watch all six seasons that show is just an absolute fucking masterpiece especially the first three seasons it is a complete masterpiece of a tv show and now i feel embarrassed that i didn't know that he played pierce's brother uh, in community. Um, but yeah, he, you, you say, you say, uh, in regards to him, brilliant actor was awesome in breaking bad. Can't wait to see him when he brings in far cry six rumor is that it's essentially a prequel to far cry three. I heard that as well. I, I mostly only read that, to, to give another side to assassin's creed. And because I liked your shout out to community, it's just my favorite TV show of all time. Literally every actor in that show is just phenomenal. Except John Oliver. I hate John Oliver. He's fucking obnoxious. But Dead Captain James comes in and says, Xbox will never... This is my favorite comment of the week. Sorry, everyone. D Xbox will never be able to beat PlayStation at its own game. They need to flip the script like Nintendo. Xbox has an opportunity to focus on a new goal of differentiating themselves. And that goal could be... And that goal could be value. With the Lockhart and Game Pass, they're set up to be the best value in gaming. If they want to succeed, then they need as many games in Game Pass as possible day and date. They just need to make sure that they don't let the quality of their games suffer. This, this is my favorite... The reason why this is my favorite comment is because 
This is something I never thought of and I never brought up on the show, but it's 100% true. And the only thing that really validates it even more is this this Xbox Games Showcase we just saw, which really, really validates Dead Captain James' point. It's that, you know, Xbox is doing a Nintendo thing right now, you know? Think about it like this. I mean, Nintendo was being Nintendo, kind of top of the game, you know, powerful hardware, boundary-pushing technology, everything. And then after the GameCube, Nintendo had a fucking midlife crisis and a stroke at the same fucking time. And we're like, here's the Wii! Shake it! And uh, even though I love the Wii... There's no denying Nintendo just fucking went off the deep end. And ever since then, it's really been like an Xbox versus PlayStation thing with Nintendo kind of being a side a side gig, a side hustle, if you will. But it's it's so true because what Microsoft's doing is they're kind of taking a page out of Nintendo's book and saying, hey, this didn't work for Sega. Sega got clobbered because they tried to compete directly with Sony and they lost. Nintendo used to be like the top dog that competed. And when they realized they weren't as competitive, they changed gears and they said, we're just going to do our own thing now. And... And now that Xbox is in a position where they're like, hey, we're kind of getting clobbered by PlayStation 2. Do we want to be like Sega or do we want to be like Nintendo? Do we want to go out or do we want to just change gears and try to find success being our own thing? And that's really what Xbox has done these past few years, isn't it? That's why they're doing the generation to end generations, the whole player games on any piece of hardware. Game Pass, play every game we make ever just on the service. Value, 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 value. Cheap consoles, expensive consoles, options for players, whatever you want. Games that are more like platforms versus iterative games. I think that's exactly what Xbox just showed is, is is what Dead Captain James was talking about. Which, by the way, Dead Captain James commented on this a week before this, this conference ever happened. So I think that's a really spot-on comparison. And it's, and it's also really exciting for us as gamers because what it means is for the first time, all the major players are doing incredibly different things. PlayStation is playing the, the tried-and-true game of like, New console generation, AAA games, powerful, boundary-pushing games, the most classic approach to a console generation because it always works for PlayStation. PlayStation can shit a fucking brick out and it'll still sell 100 million units and everyone will love it. Think about it, the PlayStation 3 was such a botched console and it still outsold the Xbox 360 at the end of the day. Barely, but like they did it. Like PlayStation can stick to their guns and stick to the traditional script because no matter what they fucking do, they're always going to win. But Nintendo saw the writing on the wall and said, time to do something different. And they did the Wii. And yeah, people shat on Nintendo for the Wii and they failed with the Wii U. But look at the Wii's sales and look at how the Switch is doing. Nintendo's fucking genius for saying, hey, we need to do our own thing. And now Nintendo just, for better or for worse, Nintendo just goes out of their way to find whatever it is you want. And then they just, they don't even do the opposite of it. They just like go down some weird imaginary Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole where they're just like, ah, here's a fucking Mario playing with rabbits. You like that? There you go. Thanks, Ubisoft. Money. And uh, it's really smart, I think, for Xbox to be doing the same thing. Where they're like, hey, we're not going to do this this whole parallel with PlayStation thing. We're not going to give you two options that are ostensibly the same. We're going to say, hey, we got powerful games. We got next generation games, but we have a different approach to how you get that stuff. You can buy expensive consoles, cheap consoles, whatever console fits your budget. You can get these services that just give you access to all the games and our games work a little different. We're not just trying to resell The Last of Us 10 times over every year. And it's really funny when you think about it because it's like, wow, without me really 
ever saying it on this podcast, you just point out what Xbox has really been doing all along. And I think that's really interesting. Um, really good point. And uh, Sarugi even agrees. He says, and it certainly seems like each brand is doing just that. Sony uh, is he- Sony with the heavy handed, but new shiny console, Microsoft with the buy one or not, whatever. I'm cool. As long as we're still friends and Nintendo being Nintendo doing whatever with zero regard for anyone else. And it's working great for them. Uh, but we don't talk about Amazon and Google. Amen. We do not talk about Google just fucking sucks. I hate Google, but we don't talk about Amazon because uh, Amazon's not real MLG as we all know. And uh, sorry, little brother, but I'm actually going to cut out your comment here. Uh, I've had to cut, cut out a couple comments, but I'm just going to, we just got to, we just, we got to move on. This is too long of an episode. Um, so that's going to do it for all of our comments and shout outs and replies this week. Uh, sorry for being a dick brother. I, 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 I skipped over you, but you commented too much about PlayStation. Remember for don't for next week, you know, let me know what you thought about the conf, the the game showcase. Really excited to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions. Uh, let me know what you thought about Halo, and don't be shy. Reply. Also, I, I need to start mentioning more. Most people comment on YouTube, so if you want to get your comment noticed, the best place is probably on the YouTube video. My YouTube channel is called Second Best Gaming. I was in a rock band in high school, so we were called Second Best. Then I started a YouTube channel. I attached gaming to the end of my band name, and then I started an Xbox podcast called Xbox On. Now you understand the history behind the names I use on the internet, and we are going to move on to what I've been playing for the week. But before we can talk about what I've been playing, I've got to tell you, I just we don't have time for my brother's comments, but we have time for what I've been eating. And then, goddamn, it's been Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's is a is a chain of sub restaurants here. I don't don't really know if they're everywhere. I don't know if they're international. I don't know if they're all over the country. I never thought about it, but we have them where I used to be from. We have them where I live now. Jersey Mike's, goddamn good subs. Way better than the subway. If you've ever been to a subway, you should you should give yourself 40 lashes because Jersey Mike's is way better. It's expensive, but it's better. Now, Jersey Mike's does this infuriating thing where you can only order subs in like like I I don't know. They don't they don't put sizes on them, but if I had to guess, it's like five inch sub, eight inch sump, sorry, five inches, eight inches, and like 15, 16 inches. They don't, they don't have like the regular, like, Oh, six foot or 12 or six inch or 12 inch, you know, half a foot or full foot sub. No, they just have to be all cool and unique I, I, for, for you European, for you European or not American listeners. I think their, their sizing is like a fucking, I don't know, like a meter or some, some shit like that. It's, it's just super long. I don't know. They're big subs, but they're good. They're really fresh. They're really delicious. The bread's good. Their meat's good. Their sandwiches are awesome. They're fully loaded, and you don't have to like modify them and add shit. You just kind of order it as is and let them throw a bunch of crap on it. It's a great experience, and I just uh, really enjoyed a Jersey Mike's sub this week. I got a, a club. It had like ham and turkey and provolone and, and lettuce, tomato, onions, mayo, all this shit all over it. It was just so good. Oil, vinegar, peppers, whatever. I don't know. It was good. It had stuff on it, uh, but yeah. And then what I've been playing this week, I've been playing, in my downtime, I've been playing some Halo 5, and then I finished Yakuza Kiwami this week. Uh, so that was, rolled the credits on that, so that's two Yakuza games I now have under my belt. Yakuza Kiwami 2 comes out next week, and then I'll start playing that some some point soon. But yeah, I won't harp on it too long, but pretty much the same as the last one. Yakuza is such a good series. I'm so glad it's finally finding its way on Xbox, and that I, uh, for whatever reason, gave it a try. Um, it's a very, very good game. Super compelling story combat's fun it's not too repetitive the game doesn't overstay its welcome the characters are so interesting the story is so interesting and it's just such a unique game there's no, i've never played anything like yakuza and uh i just really appreciate having like a open world but not too open world kind of open-ended but also linear enough and then just awesome storytelling 
and really interesting, like kind of serious, but also campy, like Japanese Yakuza goofy, like mob story. It's just, it's just a fun time and a good game. And they always, they always make you cry a little bit at the end with some, with a little bit of a sad twist. So good time. Definitely recommend those games. I know most people probably won't ever give them a try because it's a kind of obscure Japanese game, but I, I think it deserves, it deserves a lot more attention than it gets for sure. Um, and with that said, we'll jump into our news stories, of which there aren't too many, uh, but there are some pretty notable ones. Everything kind of seems to pale in comparison to what we just saw from Xbox, uh, but we, we do have some stories, so jumping into the news now. All right, and I just kind of lent the, uh, I kind of borrowed these all from different sites rather than writing my own notes this week because a little crunch for time. But first one comes from Windows Central and is that the Xbox Series X may be the new most powerful console ever coming this holiday season, but the current one, the Xbox One X, is officially being discontinued by Microsoft. This is to prepare for the arrival of the Series X. The Verge broke the story. Microsoft is officially halting production of the Xbox One X and One S all digital edition. As we ramp up uh, into the future of the Xbox Series X, we're taking the natural step of stopping production of Xbox One X and One S all digital, says Microsoft in a statement to The Verge. Xbox One S will be continued to be manufactured and sold globally. Reports of Xbox One X and S shortages have surfaced in recent weeks as there have been an increased demand during the pandemic. While production is ending on the Series, or, sorry, on the One X and the One S digital edition, it's likely that stock for some retailers will be available in the coming months, so gamers can check back with their local retailers for more details on Xbox One hardware availability, says an Xbox micro, says a Microsoft spokesperson. If you want to get in on a One X or Series S all digital, be sure to grab one sooner rather than later, as a lot of retailers have obviously kind of lost stock due to COVID and, and short supply chains and also increased demand. So this is a really interesting one because it's kind of twofold. Yeah, it's normal for when a, console, a new console comes out for the old one to get phased out, but not this soon, let's be honest. Like, when the Xbox One came out, you could buy a 360 until like, I don't know, like at least a year, maybe two after the, the Xbox One came out, right? And like with PlayStations in particular, like God, you could buy a PS2 like four years after a PS3 came out. Uh, you could buy a fucking, I mean, the Wii U went away Im immediately because there weren't any and no one ever bought one. But like for the most part, like you can usually see the last generation console on shelves for a pretty long time and they're... They're, they don't stop manufacturing until, you know, whatever. But this is this is crazy because they're halting production of the Xbox One X, which only went into production at the end of 2017. So, like, not even three years ago this console launched, and now we're just, they're just pulling the plug on it. And then the the one, the all-digital edition, the Series S, or the One S all-digital all edition, like, that came out, like, a year ago. Like, what the fuck? It was, like, one, maybe two years ago. They just, and now they're just pulling it already. So, that's a little weird to me. I, it almost makes me wonder if the reason for this is they need more manufacturing space. They need more manufacturing power and having the production of four or five SKUs of consoles because you think there's the Xbox One S, the all digital edition, and the, the One X, and then there's the Series S and the Lockhart. That's five consoles they have to be producing and they need more, you know, manufacturing power. And there's only so much space they have at these these manufacturing uh, facilities in China where these boxes are made. So I, my first instinct is that 
because they don't have the space and the you know they're not willing to invest in the space for five SKUs of consoles to be produced at once they're going to pull the plug on two of them and just have you know the bare bones most popular you know the Xbox Series S or sorry I keep saying series the Xbox One S is by far the most popular and most sold Xbox One console for sure right because the X is the most is the more expensive more powerful one which is obsolete once the Series S comes out once the Series X comes out and then the old digital edition was more of like a testing grounds kind of niche thing so if you got to make room for some new for some new hardware you're gonna get rid of your least your, your two least best your, your two worst sellers so that makes sense in that regard but man that's just such a weird thought to be like wow really all already this soon because usually those things would stay on the market a little after but also in a normal generation it would be like you're only making one skew of a console and then you stop selling it and then you and then you, I mean, in normal generation, you would, it's normally like as the generation ends, you're only making one skew of the console and then you keep it on sale as the new console comes on board for about a year or two afterwards, right? I mean, think about it like this. When the Xbox One came out, they, they released, they released a final like slim version of the Xbox 360 that came out like at the tail end of the generation, like literally like a, right before the series or right before the Xbox One came out. It was the it was the Xbox 360 that kind of looks like an Xbox One a little bit, and I don't they weren't a lot made and not a lot of people bought them, but like they they exist and they came out right before the Xbox One. So clearly this is a different situation, and I think it has everything to do with space. It also has to do with COVID. Just the production pipelines probably getting a little funny in a lot of ways with retailers and stuff, and and a lot of retailers are probably telling Xbox right now like, hey guys, we we can't we don't have space in our stores for five SKUs of Xbox. Like we're going to just, we're really only going to order the ones that sell the best. So we'll get the new one and the most popular Xbox one console that sells, you know? So this is probably one of those things where Xbox is like, yeah, we just, I, I think it's really as cut and dry as like, we just don't have retailers just aren't real willing to keep five SKUs of Xbox on their shelves. And we just don't want to pay to have any more, you know, production space for all these SKUs that don't even sell that well now, because even though, yeah, Xboxes are selling out like crazy during the pandemic because people are trapped inside and need, you know, some form of entertainment. Still, once the Series X comes out, people are going to be buying the new one and the cheap version of the old one. They're not going to be buying the powerful version of the old one that's more powerful than the base one, but less powerful than the new one and doesn't do the things the new one does. So it's like, it's an understandable thing. But also, it's just kind of like, it feels almost too soon. So, weird story, but it, it makes sense to me why they're doing it. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think about that. Kind of, It kind of creates an artificial demand, because now I'm like, oh man, I don't have a Xbox One X. Do I need to go try to find one real quick? But no, I, I do regret not buying a Xbox One X. But if I was going to do it, I, I would have had to have done it a few years ago. Uh, it, it'd be so silly to buy one this close to the launch of the um, Series X. So, oh well. Uh, buy Xbox One X, buy di all digital edition. Go fuck yourselves. We're gonna go play Halo Infinite on a Series X instead. Our next con our next story here again from Windows Central says a few days ago a number of Xbox One users noticed that they could not buy a twelve a twelve month Xbox Live Gold subscription from the Microsoft Store for the console. While many thought this was an error, it turns out that. While many thought this was an error, it turns out that the company purposely removed the stock, uh, 
housekeeping unit or SKU from the website. Microsoft issued the following statement to TrueAchievements.com confirming the purposeful removal. They said, quote, at, the t- at this time, Xbox has decided to remove the 12 months of Game Pass uh, Gold SKU or the 12 months of Xbox Live Gold SKU from the Microsoft Store online. Customers can still sign up for one month or three month Xbox Live Gold subscriptions online through the Microsoft Store. It's unclear why the company would do this, although, uh, but but it may be related to the fact that Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is the company's new focus according to a recent earnings call. It includes the Xbox Game Pass for the Xbox One, uh, Xbox Game Pass for the PC, Xbox Live Gold, better editions of first-party games, and even Project xCloud streaming service beginning in September. So after the $1 upgrade for the trial period ends, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate only costs 5 bucks more for a month-to-month than Xbox Live Gold anyway. So yeah, this is another one of those like, oh wow, really? Kind of moments where, listen, they want to they push Game Pass. The point of Xbox now is to push Game Pass. Xbox Live Gold was like kind of like, a, you know, it costs money to keep these servers up and running and to do maintenance on the shit. We got to make some profit off this. We're not running a charity here. Give us money. And then it turned into like, oh, you get games of gold. You get some free games here and there. But the real money maker is going to be in Game Pass because they can get more. Think, think about it like this. Not everyone that needs that buys an Xbox needs to have Xbox Live Gold, I guess. If you just want to play single player games or whatever. You don't need to have Xbox Live Gold. Everyone that has an Xbox should have Game Pass because that's that's the way you should be buying your games. And so by reducing the amount of options of Xbox Live and by increasing the benefits and the amount of options for Game Pass Ultimate, you're basically just giving consumers more reasons to be like, man, I really should just have Game Pass Ultimate. It's it, you can buy it in large quantities. It's it's more it's a better value overall. It gives you games, online service, and games with gold. It's just so, it gives you X Cloud. It gives you PC and console. It gives you so much, you know, for fifteen bucks a month. So I, I'm guessing that's the that's the plan here. It's a strategic plan to really double down Game Pass. For, for clarity's sake, Game Pass isn't going anywhere, and we'll get into that with the next story. So let's just read that to kind of study these in tandem. So from Windows Central, Microsoft has outlined its fourth quarter earnings call for its 2020 fiscal year, with company-wide revenue once again on the up, surpassing $38 billion. Gaming efforts were among standout successes, with current world events helping propel gaming revenue 64% year-over-year, or $1.3 billion. COVID-19 pushed Xbox in the spotlight, as Redmond once again reports that uh, record engagement in the era of stay-at-home stay-at-home orders and social distancing. Xbox content and services grew 65% year-over-year, $1.2 billion, inclusive of game sales and subscriptions. Microsoft attributes the growth to the increased overall platform demand, coupled with strong results from unnamed third-party properties, probably uh, Rockstar and Epic Games and things like that. Uh, Growth extends to Xbox hardware revenue, also climbing 49% this quarter. Uh, The Xbox One X and One S bundles remain uh, scarce nationwide as consumers flock for at-home entertainment. It comes as Xbox recently halted Xbox One X and One S all digital production, of course, discontinuing the existing models. The result marks an impressive quarter for Microsoft's gaming division, once again strong throughout the pandemic. The closing week's last quarter underscored a sharp uptick in Xbox Live usage, with similar momentum reflected in the quarter four earnings. Earnings. The increased demand even saw Microsoft temporarily disable custom Xbox profile pictures in order to ease and strain. In, in order to ease strain on moderate on moderation services, it favorably positions Xbox and Microsoft to ex- execute its next generation vision spearheaded by its Xbox Series X console, the Project X Cloud cloud streaming service technology. Uh, the currently 
the current climate fosters a growing demand for interactive entertainment with software sales and services like its Xbox Game Pass subscription fundamental to the brand moving forward. So yeah, this is no surprise. I mean, Microsoft keeps shattering uh, fiscal year sales goals year over year and quarter over quarter. So this this doesn't surprise me at all that, that they, they've climbed in general, you know, for Microsoft. But what does surprise me is gaming because usually what you see is as you near a new console launch is gaming sales and revenue kind of crawls to a halt. You see that all the time. But due to COVID, where everyone's at home looking for at-home entertainment, people are outside trying to gobble up every Switch, PS4, and Xbox One they can find in stores, we're seeing just the opposite happen. We're like gaming engagement and sales and everything is like surging exponentially and people are just spending so much fucking money on gaming right now so it's kind of a you know it's it's, an, it's kind of a shitty thing to say but it's like covid's had kind of a positive effect on this sale these industries so to speak so it's not entirely surprising that that game revenue is up like this but i think this is a great opportunity for xbox to do you know the get rid of 12 months of gold and kind of be like hey now that we have your attention since everyone's buying xboxes and playing xbox right now can we introduce you to can we introduce you to Game Pass? I know you guys know what live is because you had live back when you used to play uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 on your Xbox 360 and you used to tell kids you were going to fuck their mom. But now what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to Game Pass. It's uh, it's like Netflix, but instead of watching a bunch of really awful Netflix shows, you're going to play a lot of really great video games for a low price. Uh, you pay it every month and then blah, blah, blah. And I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of Microsoft being like, okay, we have the audience's attention and we're about to launch a console. We're about to launch, a new, uh, I guess, one new game, Halo. And we're about to uh, uh, really have the opportunity to like, introduce a lot of people to xCloud and Game Pass. Like, What can we do to entice more people? So for those of you who've just kind of been on the automatic, oh yeah, I just buy automatically renew 12 months of gold all the time. It's like, let's get that person to pay attention to us. Like, hey, Stop thinking about gold. Look at Game Pass. Look over here. Look what we're doing. Because Game Pass is really working for Microsoft. It's really taking off. It's really growing. They're making a lot of money off of it. And they're looking for a way to keep the growth going. And I, I think that's what this is all about. Is They're saying in a time where everyone's at home playing video games and, and paying more attention to this more than ever with the combination of like, I'm stuck at home. I have nothing to do. Might as well play a game. Paired with... These, these big companies are about to release new video game consoles. So, like, gaming is really in the minds of, 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 I don't know, just the market right now. You know, gaming in general, just with it being a really reliable and um, a really reliable and good go-to kind of form of entertainment in a time like now. Plus, you know, people being excited about new shit coming out later on this year. It's just, like, gaming's everywhere. So, there's a lot of new eyes or refreshed eyes on Xbox right now. So you gotta you gotta say, hey, here's what we're all about: powerful console, Xbox subscriptions, and that's why that's why they're trying to you know get a better build, a more finalized build of of XCloud out into the public. It's coming to iOS. It's coming out in kind of a more finalized form in September, and people are going to be able to um, people are going to be able to uh, ha have access to it through their um, Game Pass subscription, which is just again, it's like let's just Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is becoming like the new. Um, office 365 it's like here's the subscription that has all the game pass all the xbox services you need in one yeah it's the most expensive service but you're gonna get this this and this 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 so much value and that's what we're seeing game pass ultimate become and it uh it makes sense they're they have the audience's attention they are in the spotlight right now and so they're trying to make some some big moves and shifts to help get people 
you know, refocus on how they think about their Xbox subscriptions. And we're, we're moving away from live and we're moving into Game Pass. Like, I think the ultimate goal here is, right, to get rid of Xbox Live, right? We don't want to have Xbox Live. You don't want people who are subscribed to your internet service where they just get access to online games, but they don't have the free the you know the game pass library we want them to have the subscription that's more expensive and has all the features so they spend more time on xbox they engage with more features of xbox they play more games on xbox they spend more money on xbox that's what you want your consumers on so they're looking for ways to kind of get heads turning the other direction so they can introduce you to what else they're doing um and then i'm going to skip our ubisoft story for the week because we're really just pushing this episode so far and we're gonna wrap up with our npd sales numbers as the last story of the week so here are the uh, the june mpd numbers are in uh which of course you know track video game sales um for the month based on digital and physical sales with a couple stipulations like nintendo physical nintendo nintendo's digital sales aren't tracked and things like that um and this is just so it gives us a rough idea of of you know what the best selling games are for the month um but it's usually pretty accurate so here are some notable statistics we got the total sales for gaming was 1.2 billion dollars which we just saw in the xbox story up ahead um so up 20 26 percent year over year uh in in game sales pc video game software was 540 million dollars up 49 percent year over year video game hardware sales 191 million dollars down 17 percent year over year which is uh, kind of shocking because like like i said that's normal for like the end of a console generation but also like everywhere is selling out of consoles what that really tells me more than anything is isn't that everyone's gobbling up every switch xbox and ps4 that they can find on shelves what that really tells you i guess is that a lot of xboxes and playstations and such aren't making their ways to store shelves that the inventory that already exists is being sold through and these these retailers aren't aren't being restocked so due to whatever maybe manufacturing issues because of covid or shipping issues because of covid or because people are trying to phase out certain console SKUs as they prepare for next generation I don't know, but that's that's an interesting statistic. And the last one is that video game accessories and game cards uh, may, are at up 29% year over year at 417 million bucks. Uh, the top 20 best-selling games sold for the month of June were in order. Number one, Last of Us Part Two, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which of course, you know, doesn't count digital sales, so maybe that was number two or one. Grand Theft Auto V, Mortal Kombat 11, Red Dead Redemption 2, Ring Fit Adventure, NBA 2K20, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Minecraft Dungeons, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Minecraft PlayStation 4 Edition, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Borderlands 3, Need for Speed Heat, P4G Persona 4 Golden, which is now on PC, that's how it ended up on there, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and uh, that rounds out the top 20. But if you want to know what the best... Uh, top 10 best-selling games on Xbox were for the month of June 2020. It were in order Call of Duty Modern Warfare, GTA 5, Mortal Kombat 11, Minecraft Dungeons, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, fucking weird shit, Minecraft Xbox One Edition, Forza Horizon 4, and NBA 2K20. How the hell is Black Ops 3 on there? Was there just a really good sale on just Black Ops 3? Was there an Activision sale that you clicked on and it was like, hey, we're having a sale on just Black Ops 3 and nothing else? Like, what the... It's so weird, but um, pretty normal-looking numbers. It makes sense Last of Us Part Two was the number one seller. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Animal Crossing outsold it, maybe, if you included the software sales. And then the rest is pretty par for the course. A bunch of, you know, your Grand Theft Autos and Mortal Kombat's and things that are always there. And then your Nintendo games that just never stopped selling, ever. 
ever. So that's going to do it for all of our news for the week. And now we've got a couple of little important enough sto- stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. Some of these would even normally be regular stories, but we just got to, we got to get going. So first one is that Sea of Thieves has officially reached over 15 million players since its launch in March 2018. And the game is still growing month over month. Rocket League, the car-based soccer game that's seen over 75 million players since it launched in 2015, will be going free-to-play in the summer 2020. Anyone who plays the game before it goes free-to-play will be rewarded with legacy status, which nets them cool perks and in-game items. Ubisoft CEO Yves Gilmont has announced that the next Ubisoft Forward Digital Conference will be broadcast in September, with no specific date given. Next, we got Balan Wonderland is a new 3D action platformer game from the famed Sonic the Hedgehog developer Yuji Naka, and is being developed or is being published by uh, Square Enix. The game features a cool, colorful, and bright world filled with a cast of characters. It seems like the players will be able to change their costumes to dramatically change their abilities, such as costumes that allow you to scale walls, uh, fire water bullets, and more, with other with over 80 different costumes to choose. The game will be available in spring of 2021 for Series X and Xbox One. Next, we've got Hello Neighbor 2 has been announced and will come to the Xbox Series X and PlayStation, or sorry, the Xbox Series X and PC in 2021. And lastly, Square Enix revealed that Dragon Quest uh, 11 or whatever it's called, uh, S Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition, is coming to Xbox One and Game Pass, both on console and PC, on December 4th, 2020. So a little more of that Japanese content coming to Game Pass. That's a good thing. We're, we're, we're trying to... We're trying to get the Japanese to notice us. We're trying to get the senpais to notice us here on the Xbox, guys. And now we're going to go over the new game releases of the week, of which there are 11 this week, just like last week. There are 11 new games. And as always, we will describe the games based on nothing more than the title of the game in a single screenshot. So our first game is called Rock of Age 3, Make or Break Edition. This is a game where you play as a rock named Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock. And you uh, run around the Great Wall of China and try to break shit. You try to go to historical landmarks and you try to break stuff. It's a metaphor for uh, toxic relationships. Next game here is called Liquid Sunshine. Uh, There's a horse running and he's outrunning a man. It's a side-scrolling 2D adventure. This is about how horses are more technologically advanced than humans and that they have long legs and really uh, ripped pecs. Next game is called Turok Escape from Lost Valley, which is a really awesome, compelling game about a Saskatchewan man uh, and a bear who find love in a who find love in a hurricane. And then our next game here is called Creeks, coming out July twenty second. This is a game that looks like concept art, so I don't think they finished it yet. And then the next game is called Rain Swept. It comes out July 22nd, and it's one of those games where uh, it's 2D and it's indie, and you get to choose questions and answers to to provide player agency. Um, Rain Swept is a game about a bunch of people in Seattle that never walk around with umbrellas because they're so used to the rain that they don't even that the, the rain sweeps them off their feet and they don't even think about it. And then Aircraft Evolution is our next game. Aircraft Evolution is is a game about you play as an aircraft evolutionist, uh, a guy, an engineer, an aircraft engineer. And you get in a big fight with some douchey pilot guy who takes all the spotlight. So you intentionally uh, engineer his plane to fly into a wall so that that dumbass will uh, pay for his his misconduct. And then our next game here is called Carry On, which I either it's a game about a monster that kills a bunch of scientists or it's about like 
you know, like when you go to the airport and they're just like, oh, yeah, you can bring a carry-on. And then you bring your carry-on and they're just like, uh-uh-uh, that's too big. you got to pay for it. you got to get it thrown in the bin. And then our next game is called Golf With Your Friends. Come to PC. We already got that game on Xbox, so we don't have to care about it. And then Allison's Diary Rebirth is coming out on July 24th. This is a scary game in the dark, but it's really dark, so it's hard to see anyone. There's a lady at the end of the table drinking a glass of wine, so I assume that's Allison. Allison's probably an alcoholic, so that's why the game's all dark, because she gets blackout drunk, so that's pretty sad. Then the next game here is called Max and the Book of Chaos, where you play as Max, and the Book of Chaos is the Bible, because Max is an atheist who thinks that the Bible causes nothing but strife, because a lot of people read it differently and interpret it differently, and he wants humanity to get along and and respect each other uh, as individuals and not as religious groups, uh, but unfortunately other people don't see it that way. So Max thinks the Bible is a book of chaos. A little polarizing but uh, and, and somewhat heavy-handed, but that's the story Max wants to tell. And then the last game here is called Tenenberg, which is where you play as these World War II guys, and they probably get shot and die because their World War II equipment is really outdated and really underpowered. So I don't even know what this guy's shooting at. He's just pointing at the wall. Maybe this is about like really ill-prepared soldiers uh, who weren't who don't go through proper military training and and can't tell the difference between like an enemy and like a fucking brick wall. And so they just shoot at stuff until they die. So that could be what that game's about. I'm not really sure. And I don't really care, but that's all of our games for the week. As a reminder for games of gold, you've got WRC eight FIA world rally championship for the rest of the month. You've got dunk Lords until August 15th. And then you got Juju, which is available for the rest of the month on the 360 side. Saints Row 2, you already missed it. So fuck you if you if you didn't download it. But that's going to do it for our podcast, you guys. This is the longest one by far. Uh, but I hope you understand, of course, we had a big Xbox event we had to talk about. As always, I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you want to follow me on social media this week, I will. you can find the podcast on, on YouTube at Second Best Gaming. That's where I upload the, the show. If you want to comment, that's the place to do that. But if you want to follow me on social media for my personal stuff, I'm actually not going to be using Instagram or Twitter at all this week. I'm, uh, I'm going to be using TikTok because... Uh, I, I really want to get in on the action and see what TikTok's all about. So follow me at TikTok at uh, Millennial Savage, and uh, I'll see you guys with my awesome seven-second videos of me mouthing theme songs to 90s and early 2000s cartoons that no one remembers anymore. So I really appreciate you all listening through. Hope to hear a lot of feedback of what you guys thought about the Xbox Game Showcase this uh, earlier today. And now that my... I'm just super sore and tired from talking for two and a half hours straight. I'm going to hit end recording and get this puppy up so that you guys can listen to it as soon as possible. Thank you so much, guys, and uh, remember to power your dreams.